Welcome to a brand new life, to a brand new day, all the way from the wastelands of California. My name is Michael, and I am a mere figment of your imagination. I look forward to once again serve you those sounds from the underground. First time listeners turn on, tune in, and drop out. This is a very different kind of show, a place where you don't feel so alone. Let us chase away the light no matter what you at home choose to believe. I do admire you for your curiosity live and direct and streaming to you live on youtube and heard around the world hello to you from the future you can find the podcast rendition of this program on all popular platforms boys and girls and joining me tonight first up is charlie robinson charlie is the author of the octopus of global control a controversial and hilarious book that features the opinions of over 500 experts that expose and explain the century-long plan for world domination by the global elite. Then, of course, after the break, the man simply known as V. He is also a host of his own program that covers a wide range of topics, some very dark. Don't miss that one, boys and girls. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for allowing me into your hearts and into your minds. Here we are again on a night like this. How is everyone doing out there? I hope you're well. If not, I'm sorry about your damn luck. Get to see those familiar names in the chat room. Glad you guys survived another week out there. Also, the reception for the last show with Stephen Bassett was phenomenal. That was, in fact, for the Patreon subscribers only. Eventually, I'll be throwing up some clips of that episode for you. Now, enough of the nonsense. Let's get down to brass tacks and bring in our first guest. Charlie, are you alive out there? I am alive. How are you doing? I'm good. Can't complain, my friend. How are you? I am wonderful. This is a fun way. I enjoy this. This is a good way to spend a Saturday night as far as I'm concerned. Talk about some crazy stuff, hang out, and just uh, and get weird for a couple hours. That's what it's all about, and I'm glad you are here with me, uh, sharing the air with me here. And of course, the listeners out there, I'm pretty sure, will enjoy you uh, greatly. So before we begin here, this is your first rodeo here on the program, and I thought we could sort of talk about your life and how you got into all this. Sure. And of course, we'll branch out to all sorts of fun uh, topics, my friend. Yeah, well, I mean, I, so <clears throat> I wrote a book uh, two years ago in 2017, but 
what I kind of discovered during the process of writing it was that I kind of, I think I, I feel like I'd been writing it in my head or I had at least been compiling the information for it for, for quite a while. Um, I'd had a, uh, I was living in Las Vegas and, you know, working in new home sales during the whole real estate boom, 2003, uh, all the way up. I took a, I went on a vacation early part of 2007 and, um, friend gave me a book called Confessions of an Economic Hitman by John Perkins. And I read that book and I was blown away by it because even though at this point we're talking early 2007, I knew about 9-11. I knew all that stuff. This book really woke me up to the financial component of how all these you know markets are rigged and how the stock markets are inflated and then deflated and how it's not accidental and, and all this stuff. And it, it really just kind of... Um, it shook me up and I realized that I was like a part of this whole thing. Uh, I was selling new homes in Las Vegas and it was the hottest market in the world, except maybe second only to Dubai. And um, all of these investors were coming in and all these people that didn't have any business buying a house were buying a house and getting approved. And I was watching this thinking, oh, my God, they're going to do that. They're going to pull the same thing here that John Perkins talked about pulling in the in the 70s and 80s. And uh, and I just sort of had this awakening to the fact that, like, it's happening on a smaller scale right here on a local scale in Las Vegas. And it's probably, you know, it's definitely heading towards a national uh, disaster. And sure enough, it happened. And I got, you know, like everybody got caught in a bad spot. And sort of my, my awakening came out of like, um, you know, just going experiencing this, you know, l losing everything myself, uh, watching people that I'd sold houses to lose everything and starting and feeling really guilty about the whole thing and feeling like, you know, I know I didn't do it, of course. I know it wasn't my fault, but I was part of it, and I didn't know I was part of it, and I felt really stupid about that. And I, re I kind of just sort of promised myself that I would – I wouldn't fall for it the next time around, right? I would get involved, and I would figure out how these things – these scams were happening and these financial scams, and I would just – Put my, I would get out of the way the next time around. So that started me down this path of learning about, you know, what money really is and the Fed, you know, Federal Reserve and central banking. And then that leads you to all these videos. And then next thing you know, you're, you know, you're watching Alex Jones <laughs> videos and listening to, you know, David Icke and reading books and all these things. And so all of this <clears throat> came to a head one day, just a normal day when. I had, you know, I discovered new some new conspiracy that I, I was like blown away by and really into. And for people that are in the probably a lot of people know what I'm going through. There are very few people you'll find in your life that you can pick up the phone and call and say, hey, I want to talk to you about this. Did you know anything about this? Because most people will write you off as being a, a nutcase. But my mom right. has always been very open minded to, to things like this. And so I called her and I told her about this new conspiracy that I had discovered. And she said, that's really interesting. And that's really great and all. But what are you going to do about it? And I didn't have an answer. You know, I didn't I didn't know that I had to do anything about it, really. I just kind of thought I was learning this. I was getting into this, this, these topics and compiling this information and just for my own benefit. And the next thing I know, she asked me this really simple question. And that, that at that point, I decided, you know, maybe I'll just I'll write. I'll write a book. I'll, you know, but I'm not going to tell anyone I'm going to do it. And that's how this whole thing came about. And now it's been out for about two years now. And the response has been really good. People have called it the conspiracy, the conspiracy uh, encyclopedia, the conspiracy Bible. It's I thought big, that was kind of funny. It's a big <laughs> it's book, a, by the way. Yeah, it's a big book. Well, there's a lot to cover. And then, of course, as you know, there's 
it's endless, really. I mean, you could fill books up, book after book with this, but uh, but that's kind of how my story. That's how I kind of came into this was sort of a um, a. a Feeling it's kind of like an obligation to wake people up to it as best I could, and to um, uh, to do my part. Like you've got a radio show, you're reaching thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. I mean, there, there's no telling how many, you know, who you've impacted and how that's going to carry that person off into the for the rest of their life. And I thought that would be kind of, that was kind of a cool thing to be a part of that. And I remember how John Perkins' book was so instrumental for me. And when I wrote my book, I thought, well, you know, you know, how people say like, oh, if I can, if I can just save one person, it'll all be worth it. Well, I kind of s- hope to do more than just save one person uh, from from making the mistakes I made. But, but still, just the idea that you you put this information out there and then it can never be silenced and and, and, and it, it will it will it'll live out there forever and be spread from person to person seemed uh, pretty cool to me. And so I. Um, I, I quietly wrote this book in the middle of the night, like literally in the middle, like crawling out of bed. Nobody knew. My wife didn't know. My wife found out when the first batch of books showed up at the door and I wasn't home to intercept it. And Ooh. she's like, what is this box? And opened it up and saw this big fat book with my picture on the back. Mm. And she threw me out of the house for two days. I was just going to gonna say, yeah, I was just going to ask you, what was her reaction? How angry it was, was she? not good. <laughs> I could tell now. I said, well, you know, listen, I, I, you know, I mean, aren't you glad I don't have like a second family in Utah somewhere? I mean, this could be a whole lot worse, right? And she's like, you are cheating on me emotionally by I, writing this book. You know what? I, I've heard that before. Some women have used that before uh, plenty of times in my own personal life as well. So I know exactly what you're talking about, even if it has nothing to do with that sort of. Uh, circumstance yeah. they they still go there it's amazing really yeah and i can and i mean look i can understand but it's like well listen really i cheated on sleep you know because really that's all i would have been doing if that's i hadn't right. been writing this book was getting a little bit more sleep but um but anyway she st- she started to come around ha- after a while she started to see the you know that it's kind of taken on a life of its own and so i i you know so she's she's cut me a little bit of slack <laughs> well that's good at least she didn't leave you no, no, because I was like, well, what am I going to do? Am I going to promote this book from my car? You know, like driving around on my cell phone, sleeping in my car, that probably wouldn't play out very well. But anyway, things are things are fine. And I think that, you know, she understands that this is not a topic that she's really into. But there are a lot of people out there that are that are fascinated by it, as I am. You know, I'm, oh, I guess I, I wrote a book, but like. I read all these other books too. You know, I'm not just like a the hair club president. I'm also a user. You know what I mean? I'm 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 out there. I'll do a radio show, but then I'll check out the radio show afterwards. You know, and continue listening to it and things like that. So I I, uh, I get a thrill from doing this because um, because there's so much more to know. You know, I mean, like you and I haven't talked b- before, uh, but. You know, I want to know I want to know the stuff that you're into. You know, I want to know what's keeping you up at night, because maybe it'll be the same thing that'll keep me up at night. And I felt like when I wrote this book and I covered 50 different topics in it, I felt like telling people, like, don't get intimidated by the size of it. Just go to the the directory, you know, the table of contents and see if there's a, a, a chapter in there. And I gave all the chapters really funny names, but see if there's a chapter in there that jumps out at you and maybe get into that. And and and, and, and if you like that, then you might think, well, if this is, you know, a lie, if this story this official story of some event is a lie, then what else is a lie? Because like all of us, you know, we found there's been one thing that has kind of got our attention and we've 
it's, you know, we've gone down that rabbit hole. And then from there, we move off into another aspect and another one and another one. And, and that's how it all starts. So I'm just trying to be like, I'm sort of like the the drug dealer uh-huh. with my book going just, hey, here, here, just try one. Just, <laughs> just the try taste. One. Try one. Yeah, try, just the taste of one chapter and tell me what you think. And then you know that they'll get into it and read more and more and more. So yes, and you are the author of the book, The Octopus of Global Control. And it's become quite popular. I've seen the reviews. And of of course, I'll bring that up again as we get things moving along this evening. And uh, Charlie, let's backtrack just a little bit here. You are currently in Colorado, and actually you are from my own backyard, not too far yes. from where I'm at. I grew up in the on the mean streets of Palm Springs, California. Well, that's true. Where, where you had um, – now it's known for – I mean back when I was there, it was you know everyone from Hollywood still had sort of a second home there. It was yes. really popular. It was a big spring break place in the 80s. Oh, it still so, is now. Yeah, it's it's a fun place. It's got a huge gay community, very gay, um, which is which is fun. Keeps the downtown area a lot more lively because <laughs> it's either you know it's like one third old people, one third uh, gay people. And that's and what makes it. That's what makes it exciting there. <laughs> that's what keeps the downtown <laughs> open after nine o'clock. That's for sure. It's a it's a it's a fun place. It's yeah. A, so I grew up out, right. out out there and 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 lived in Southern California uh, for you know, three quarters of my life and, and, uh, in Las Vegas for another, uh, about a decade or so. And now I'm in Denver and I kind of go from Denver back and forth to, uh, my job and, you know, my other job that's, in Las Vegas. So. Yeah. It's pretty wild that you moved actually to uh, Vegas for a while. I can't imagine living out there. Yeah, it was, you know, I moved in the, uh, the end of 2003, uh, to take a job in new home sales with a company called Dell Webb, which is now owned by Pulte. And so we were just just uh, selling new homes in the hottest market in the world. And it was um, it was it was a lot of fun. But like I said, I, I, I witnessed some um, very, you know, unsustainable sort of market activities, things that, uh, you know, people camping out in front of my my office uh, the night before we were set to release a batch of homes the following day, and they wanted to be the first in line to be able to buy the homes. And, and you're like, hey, as a salesperson, you're like, this is the greatest job ever. But as a as somebody that is uh, looking at it, uh, you know, as far as like, is this a sustainable way of of doing things? It was the answer is no. Of course, you can't. It's not normal to sell a dozen homes in, in a day. Uh, it's not. It's unsustainable, and it, they're monkeying with the prices. And so I saw this. So I'm, you know, when when that movie, uh, The Big Short, came out, or the book uh, as well. That was a that was a really accurate depiction of what it was like during these. Um, during these inflated real estate markets. And that, like I said, you know, that's kind of what led me into the the John Perkins book. And for those that don't know about John Perkins book, he talks about how the, the central banking and the IMF and the world bank would, in, you know, offer loans to these countries like Ecuador to get them to buy, to borrow money, to build hydroelectric power plants and things like that. And they wouldn't pencil out because they were never meant to. And then the World Bank or IMF would go back to this country and, you know, use the fact that they defaulted on their debt as a leverage tool to uh, make them do other things like vote certain ways and UN resolutions and privatizing industries. And so I'm reading this and I'm going, oh, my God, I'm like a part of it, not not 
you know, not exactly like the IMF and World Bank, but they were, but there were normal banks extending credit to all these people in Las Vegas that had no business buying homes. And then when it popped, they were taking back tangible assets, which were the houses, and these people were out on the streets, you know. Oh, and so that'll that'll wake you up. Be like as you're as you're short selling your second house, you're going. Maybe I should know a little bit more about these scams. Maybe I should. Uh, maybe maybe I'm the 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 sucker playing three card monty, you know, and yes. and wondering how the how how it keeps you know how I keep losing. Well, it's because it's a rigged game. Once you find out that's a rigged game, it leads you down to down that proverbial rabbit hole. And Charlie, let me ask you this: Are you a religious guy? No, I would describe myself as being, you know, like that typical answer, spiritual, but not religion. I wouldn't say not organized religion, um, not so much, but I'm, uh, you know, I'm pretty respectful of everybody's religion. It's it's not a thing for me necessarily, but. You know what's I'd funny? Be- Anytime I hear someone say that they're spiritual, I always, the, the image that pops up to my head, the first image is always like a hippie Jesus. Right. Exactly. I'm not sure why. I'm not sure why. <laughs> no, I kind of have that. I kind of feel I, I am more I'd say I'm more, you know, not from a religious standpoint, but from a like political standpoint, way more libertarian. And I think that it, that includes my views on religion as well, which is like, hey, you know, if it if it makes you a better person and 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 you and it improves your life, fantastic, you know, but if you're using it as an excuse or uh, as the tool to subjugate somebody else, well, then that's obviously reprehensible. So I guess the religion depends on who's practicing it and what what they're it, it's more always to me more about their people's actions than right. it is their their words and things like that. Yes, I see nothing wrong with religion personally myself. I see as everyone out there who is religious, I, I feel that they all have a piece of the puzzle, I, I would have to say, Charlie. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's a puzzle and there's a lot of pieces. It's not the only piece, but it's part of it. And and for, you know, um, but one of the things I wrote about in the book was that, you know, regardless of whether you are very religious or not religious, if you're objective about it, people have to agree that it is a perfect tool for to control the masses, to, to control large groups of people. It could be used in a good way for control and it can be used in a bad way for control. But sure. I talk about that in the in, in the book about how how you, you know, there are definitely some people operating at the highest levels of the organized religions that are not exactly what they appear to be. You know, they're they're not their actions are 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 not in alignment with the teachings that they you know, I acquiesce. We could go deeper into that, but of course, I must ask you first about mom and dad. Were they ever religious themselves? Uh, no, my my mom grew up in Tennessee, and she said that she got turned off to religion. Ooh, interesting. When she- yeah, when she was in a church, uh, and she had gone as a kid, she said she went, you know, all the way up until I think maybe fifth grade, but she got turned off to it when the preacher told everyone in the in 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 the church that um, they needed to vote for this particular guy, and my mom thought that was just out of line for this preacher to be telling everybody how they needed to vote. And uh, she just sort of said, and I, I just was done with it at that point. So I thought that was that was interesting. My dad had, was was not religious. Not at religious. All. Okay, interesting. And of course, as I'm 
interviewing you here and having this conversation with you, there is a photo of you that I have up in the chat room. Uh, everyone can't see it. And I'm looking at your face right now, Charlie, and you look like Dan Henderson. I'm not quite sure if you know who that is. Uh Oh, I'm thinking Dean Henderson. No, no. Uh, Dan, who's Dan Henderson? Dan Henderson is a mixed martial arts fighter. And your face right now in this photo, it's a mirror image. <laughs> I'm not lying. That's funny. I uh, look just like I'm, him. Now I'm now I'm looking. Now I got to look it up. Dan Henderson. Yeah, you look just like him in this photo. It's incredible. I can't stop. <laughs> I can't stop thinking about it now. I'm like, Dan Henderson, what's up? My business partner in Las Vegas is a what was an MMA fighter too, so I'll have to ask uh, him about that. He probably knows Dan Henderson. So he pro- yeah, a lot of a lot of fighters are out there still. Yeah, sure, yeah, for he sure. knows plenty of them. Yeah, it's funny. very interesting. Now, Charlie, let me ask you another question here in regards to the whole conspiratorial uh, conspiratorial angle. Are you an individual who believes in every single conspiracy out there? No, no. I mean, there's some that are utter nonsense. There's some that I really want to believe in. Like I'm and and I'm sort of in like I'm unsure, but I think like the idea of the secret space program is fascinating to me. Uh, I do not believe Corey Good's story. But when when I listen to um, when I listen to some of the uh, 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 Randy Kramer talking about the secret space space program, I go, Man, either this guy is a pathological liar and a hardcore, you know, real genius or or he's telling the truth, you know. And so I'm listening to these stories and so I'm interested in them. And I and I don't know that I can say I believe them. And we hear about the colonies on Mars and all that stuff. All that stuff sounds really, really cool to me. But do I think it's happening? I don't even know. I So it's funny because it, this was the last the last conspiracy that I sort of came to uh, in my like the last one I wanted to go really think hard about was the moon landing. Mm, right. And I had this this frame picture that was autographed to me. I guess my parents got it when I was like a baby and it was from it was signed by Charlie Duke. And I and my mom, you know. I used to joke with me saying that I was named after Charlie Duke, but I, I, I guess I, I turns out I wasn't, but I had always grown up thinking that I was, and I had this great signed picture from the moon. It says, you know, may your life be as, as, as exciting as mine. And it was signed by Charlie Duke. And it's a picture of him standing on the moon. And it was the last one I came to because I so desperately wanted to believe it, but I can't believe it anymore. And it bothered me so much because (laughs) when I think of all these, you know, you think of all these conspiracies and they're always kind of bad ones like, oh, I don't want to think that the government is poisoning their own people or I don't want to think about that. But the moon landing one is one that we all want to believe, right? We're like, I like this one and I like it too. Like I like the idea, hey, we left our planet. We went to the closest body. Like that's a scientific. It's very sexy indeed. Oh, it's, uh, it's awesome. And on top of that, I'm an American and America did it. Isn't that great? But if I am completely objective and I had to be when I was writing, um, I just found so many holes in that story and it really bothered me because I'm thinking to myself, this dude signed a painting to me and he's lying because he knows he didn't go to the moon. You know, so I have that in my head, right? I just am, I can't get on board with the traditional version of our moon landing. There's just, I have big problems with it. Wait a minute. You said you, you said you found some hose. I found some holes. Oh, okay. Well, what's their number? Well, <laughs> give it to you off air. I mean, this. So I, I'm like, 
adamant that NASA is full of it and they're lying to us and, and all these things. And then I'm such a hypocrite because I also simultaneously believe that we have reverse engineered some sort of technology and that there is a component of our government that is essentially a secret space program. And so I I realize that by thinking like kind of believing one and dis and not believing the other one, I create some sort of conflict. And That's I'm still kind of working through that. Yeah. You know, I'm still trying to like wrap my head around this because I don't know the answers to how it all works and and what you know what do we have and what did we you know did did we reverse engineer something from Roswell and all that stuff is so fascinating to me and I think it should I mean I think it's it's fascinating but then I also then I got to drag in my my emotional baggage about the CIA and go oh well was the CIA using this as a gigantic psyop, a psyop or something right. oh god so it it it's a it's a bit draining you know when you start to dig into these these topics but. Um, I've, I've always felt sort of uh, – so. The, I mean the original question is do I believe all of these conspiracies? And of course I do not believe all these conspiracies, but there are quite a few of them that are 100 percent real legit. and there's a, another batch of them that are um, probably real and sort of we're working on determining. And I know it's very convenient for people to say, well, if you don't have the whole story figured out, then it's all a lie. But, you know, then, then you know, come back to me when you've got it all figured out. Well, I mean, we're not going to be able to figure out all of them. <laughs> we we are talking, you know, for some of these these events, we are talking about lots of people having a whole lot invested in keeping everything quiet and spreading disinformation. So we are really going up against the best disinformation agents in the world. It's amazing that we get anything right. So I, I, I just yeah. kind of, I just kind of, you know, I like these mysteries. You know, I think a lot of us feel this a way lot of, probably, yeah. that we like, we like these mysteries and we want to try and figure them out. And also there's another part of me that is really like offended that governments do this to us, you know, and, and, and so there's, you know, there's a bit of frustration there too. But, but, but if I take that frustration out, there's just something very appealing about trying to figure out a mystery that people don't want you. Some, some people somewhere don't want you to figure out. Yes. And of course, I do definitely believe some of these conspiracies, as they say, are very real. That's why people go to jail for them. However, Absolutely. <laughs> however, I'm not, I'm not someone who just jumps uh, onto the whole false flag narrative all the time. I feel not all the truth is revealed, of course, or presented accurately. I, yeah. I tend to believe it's always a multi-layer issue, and that's the problem. Just like Jeffrey Epstein. For sure. That's a, multi, that's a really good example. Of it's it a multi-layered issue. It is a multi-layered issue. And I, and I said, you know, right when I wrote about Jeffrey Epstein in, in, in my book in 2017, I'm not the first person to the Jeffrey Epstein party, but I, I'm not the last person either. So um, I remember saying when he when he got arrested, uh, when he came into New Jersey and got arrested this, you know, a couple of months ago, uh, I said to people, this is I said, I, what I'm going to say is a very bold statement, but I absolutely mean it. And that is that this has the potential to take down the United States government's power structure. It is he because he is so deep in this. He is so tied to it. And I wanted to, you know, I was telling people um, that, you know, to be careful, watching how the media was spinning the narrative of saying, you know, he was a, you know, he was procuring women and he was, uh, um, you know, getting massages and sexual, you know, I was telling people like, let's be clear that he was 
raping and trafficking underage girls, right? So like, let's not make this into a pandering and pimping case and everything. Like, let's talk about the fact that it was underage, you know, rape and sex trafficking of minors. And, you know, like, let's keep it serious because I was watching how the media was, was framing it and they were trying to sort of soften it a bit. And it was frustrating to me. So, you know, so people were thinking about, well, oh, he's, you know, he's, He's, you know, he's doing this for, with with underage girls. He's just a pervert. And you talk about layers like, well, there's another layer, which is he was recording this and this was blackmail. And then there's another layer, which is that, That's you know, wild. Where, where did his money come from? And, you know, and is he is he running, uh, you know, is he is he extorting people? Is he running money laundering operations? Is he running arms? Is he running drugs? You know, why does why does his plane helicopter tail number have the same tail number as a plane and helicopter that were registered to DynCorp, um, you know, a military arms contractor. So what's going on here? And so it's a really good example that you brought up Jeffrey Epstein, because there are so many layers and we can, we're still peeling them back and we probably will be for uh, years to come. It's, it's a wild it's one, my friend. It's a very wild one. Jeffrey Epstein flew to Virgin Islands with 11 and 12 year old girls back in 2018, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. I just saw that. So he was, he was still up to his old tricks, clearly. That's uh, crazy. And, and then he got away with it for so long. And what does that tell, what does that tell you? That he thought he was above the law because he probably was. And he probably was acting that way because he knew that his behavior would be positively reinforced by the fact that, uh, you know, he was, he was not going to get pulled in. He was not going to get arrested. So, so when people see that, that's more than just a guy that liked to get massages three times a day. That's a guy that, that has the assurances of somebody that is above the police. Yeah. He wasn't fine. He wasn't Robert Kraft. No, <laughs> No, they were in the same area code, but uh, they same were zip code. Pretty related. I think they had a couple run-ins. I'm sure. I'm sure they know each other very well. I He's, tend to I'm believe. I'm sure Epstein gave him a call saying, "You couldn't have just called me." <laughs> I don't even understand how you. I don't understand how you have that kind of money and you still botch something that simple. I know it's so funny. No, oh, it's, it's like he wanted to get caught. That well, I mean, that's an interesting. That's an interesting thesis right there. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. It's interesting how all these things are coming together. And of course, there are people out there who say, well, Michael and, and Charlie, well, uh, these girls were of age where they were at. Nothing bad happened to them. Their parents probably knew what's the crime. Uh, there's people like that that are saying those things currently right now, Charlie. What would you say to those folks? I mean, it would... It's all well and good. I have a daughter, so everything is different for me. That once that you know, once the day she was born, I saw the whole world differently. I mean, it's very easy to say that, uh, but I think people that are that are fathers would say, uh, yeah, I wouldn't be okay with that. Now I know that they he probably bought some of these girls in Eastern Europe. Um, in fact, you know, probably bought them from their parents for you know for a couple thousand bucks. It, it, it's horrible, but th that's that's not. Uh, that's not un unheard of, and and of course, Dine, like I mentioned, DynCorp, DynCorp. having that si similarity there. That's a that's a company that has been busted running kids out of human trafficking, Yugoslavia. right? Yeah, yeah, and and in fact, you if you watch, uh, there's a video that you can find of Dr. Cynthia McKinney grilling Donald Rumsfeld about DynCorp and about how they were put in the penalty box and he let them out, which 
is how she described it, and that they had been busted for trafficking chi- uh, children out of Yugoslavia. I mean, it's and they're still working with the U.S. government, and they just happen to have the same tail numbers as the Epstein planes. I mean, there's just I'm sorry, but there's there's something there, and um, and and what's there? It looks a whole lot like a global human trafficking operation that has military industrial complex ties to it. Yeah, there, there are plenty of those sort of elements that do exist. And by the way, in the chat room, uh, Terry Cloth, very soft, says those girls got paid to do that. They wanted the money. They, they, they got paid. They did get paid. They got paid, but they're under the age of consent. So and does mean, that, just from a legal standpoint. Ex- now, exactly. I always say, but does it make it right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the whole I. You know, they were going after underprivileged kids that maybe didn't have, you know, they it's it was a dirty thing. Like he he targeted these girls Big very time. well. On, yeah, of course. Uh, under, uh, you know, depressed socio socioeconomically, maybe there's not a dad in the home and they're easy to prey on. I mean, that is just some predatory people sort of get, behavior. Right people there. do get manipulated, no doubt. Like I said, I mentioned Jeffrey Epstein, who uh, Jeffrey Epstein, I mentioned um, I was going to mention that. Harvey Weinstein, rather. Sorry about that. I was going to mention his case and how he had the so, the same sort of behavior, the, yeah. the same trying to um, target these individuals, like you were saying. Yeah, yeah, but it's in in Hollywood he could get away with it, sure, because there's a, for first of all it wasn't illegal for, as far as the age range goes, and then there's also sort of that implicit uh, um, you know idea that that you got to sleep with the producers to get the part in the movie. I mean that's sort of known that's sort of known about the movie industry it's not a good thing obviously but but it is a it's the reality of it so he kind of played into that role of uh of you know big fat cigar smoking scumbag hollywood producer he ran able, that angle you know and and that i mean he's sent straight out of central casting and uh and so, you know, is it is it illegal? No, but is it is it a scumbag thing to do? Yeah, of course it is. And not to mention that Harvey Weinstein has a horrible reputation, even just in business too. I mean, there's a lot of people that don't like him. He's got punched out several times. I think Brad Pitt punched him out one time. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a you know, like, could he get sued for it? I mean, were there were there actual cases where I mean, he wasn't doing he wasn't alleged to be a pedophile multi-layered issue my friend multi-layered issue right so who does who does harvey weinstein hire to uh you know when he starts going through these getting these accusations he hires black cube out of israel which is a super secret mercenary spy uh private age private spy agency uh uses them to go target the girls that were accusing him i mean so he sees this clearly as a war and he's, uh, you know, an arms race and he's got a bunch of money. So he's going to he's going to go after the victims. I mean, it's just a it's just a jerky thing to do. But I guess that's what you get when when dealing with Harvey Weinstein. Oy vey. Um, also, cur- <laughs> yes. Also curious about your take on one Michael Jackson. Ooh, um, he he's got the I, mean, I He's got he's got to be a pedophile. I I I I just can't imagine that he wasn't one. All of the you know first of all we know for a fact that his dad beat him severely, uh, yeah, probably that, sexually that, abused him. That Joe Jackson. Um, Joe Jackson was a bad dude. 
And uh, so, you know, he grew up with that. Then you take that, even if Joe Jackson didn't molest Michael Jackson, which he probably did, uh, then you then you throw him into the satanic music industry with the, that's swimming with pedophiles. Do you think he a was child a star? Do you think Michael was a, a satanist? I don't know about that. I think he was a victim first. Oh, yeah, and, of course. And he then was definitely I think a he was I think he then later displayed unfortunately typical victim behavior um that was a messed up family that that was just a terrible family if you can recall there were interviews with latoya jackson at at the time as well i'm sure she must have been misled a, a bit i'm sure she was enticed by the money by the ex-husband she got the living hell kicked out of her as well but yeah. i feel like there were some definite truth that she was speaking in some of those interviews i don't think that was just some sort of made-up lie I don't, I got the feeling she, I, I agree with you 100%. I saw those videos where she talked about him. She's saying Michael was molested. You know, this is, this is what you, you know, I've been, we've had it up to here with, with his behavior with these kids and everything. And, and I, I'll tell you what, you know, you're not, you weren't there. I wasn't there. Yeah, I was, but, well, I wasn't there. You weren't there. And we weren't both on the Titanic, but, right. you know, but I, I, but I saw what I, what appeared to me was, she seemed to be telling the truth and it seemed heartbreaking. And I know they're all actors and actresses in that family and everything. And I, I get it, but I, I believed her. I, I believed her when she said that, that he had a problem with that. And, and, and now I, you know, and that was before I even, you know, I, I came to that opinion before I even had any idea about how dirty the music industry was. And now you read more and more about that. Greasy. I mean, just, yeah, just, uh, you know, satanic. And I'm, you know, like we talked about, I'm not, I'm not, re- I'm not religious. So w- if I say something is satanic, it's not my go-to insult, you know, it, it's right. sort of like in this particular case, I mean that, that the Hollywood scene is run by Satanists and Luciferians and these people that are into some really dark stuff. And that's a, that's, becomes evident when you when you take a step back and look at these like a halftime show with all this satanic ritual symbolism and the music videos for all the real popular stars it's not conspiratorial i mean you don't really have to get your tinfoil hat firmly strapped in you can just be objective about it and say Sure are a whole lot of satanic images showing up in all these videos. Like, what's this all about? There sure are a lot of people covering one eye and in, in, in all in every every picture. It is a little so odd, right? Something to it. <laughs> I mean, is it is it are they fully in control and absolutely running Hollywood? I don't know. But there's clearly some influence, some very strong influence that if you are in that club, you tend to do very well in the music industry, television industry and big business as well. So there's something going on there. And after having this sort of discussion with you, I do want to bring up the whole Me Too movement. After having said all that, do you believe these women who have come forward and made these allegations? Oh, I mean, multi-layered issue yet again. Yeah, I, I mean, I, 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 it's hard to blanketly say I believe all, all women. I understand that in some cases, you don't believe you know, all women. I'm shocked. 
Yeah, I mean, I want to. I'll take it on a case by case basis. How about that, right? So, um, I believe that if you're if you've legitimately been sexually assaulted, it's got to be unbelievably traumatizing, and to come out is brave. And if if that's what's really happening, then they deserve a lot of credit. If you're faking it, then you're a reprehensible human being, and and you know, and that's just some bad karma that'll come your way. And of course, you're going to probably find find those people that parachute into those these situations and and fake fake it and you know maybe try to tarnish the 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 whole movement itself i i am not in favor of of people being abused or injured whether they're men or women you know it doesn't matter i don't have to get especially outraged because it's women some men have been raped. happened some men have yeah. been raped believe it or not i mean terry cruz came out and talked about that and if you know who Terry Crews is, I mean, he does not look like the type of guy that would get raped. He looks yeah. like he'd be doing the raping. He doesn't look very rapeable. No, he does not. And he talked about how that had happened with, I Wild. think it was an agent. And that think, was, yeah. that was poor, really scary. That was something guy. I was not expecting. I felt really bad yeah. for him. <laughs> you, you do have to feel, I, I'm laughing, but I do feel terrible about this because it's their livelihood. Yeah, and and especially him. And too, when you for, and, and for, Charlie for to, to be honest about something right. as as personal and, and how that that doesn't get to, that doesn't really seem to happen all that much to men. So there might be an additional stigma there. So a lot of credit to him for coming out and saying that. I mean, it's one of those things where you go. If someone says, do you believe him? Like, I don't know why you'd lie about this. Right. <laughs> you know, I don't know why you would think that this would help your career or, or anything. Sure. So I'm, I'm I'm sort of inclined to believe the guy just by the fact that uh, that's a that'd be a hell of a lie to tell. Yeah. Poor guy. Poor guy. Poor anyone. Poor anyone that's had to do that. You know, I mean, yeah. I understand that like you want to you want to get. You know, you you go to Hollywood, you know, you go to an audition. There's 100 people there. You want to stand out and you might feel the the need to, you know, try and do what you need to do to start your career. I bet that I can imagine that that would be, you well, know, there, for well, some people, there'd be a lot of pressure there. For psychopathic yeah. people, they'd be like, sure, I'll do it. I don't care. I have no problem doing it. So, you know, you're in a. <laughs> well, they, they're they willing to sell their soul, no doubt. And of course, if, if they're going to go that far, they are definitely going down the route of becoming a quote unquote method actor. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So it's, that's pretty you know, tasteless, I, but that's the truth. Yeah, it's it is. And it's a dirty business. And that's part of what I think it's been able to survive as long as it has in that industry is because um, people just sort of say, well, look, I mean, <laughs> you kind of don't act too surprised. You are coming to Hollywood. Right. right? What did you think was going to happen? It's it's dirty, you know, and, and so it's kind of gotten away with it for a long time. Um, no, that's true. It's like a woman that's wearing a very revealing dress and she gets angry at you for staring at her. Right. Right. Yeah. Same thing here. I, I, well, and I can understand, like, you know, there's this, the Me Too movement and you just want to say, all right, well, let's, let's protect people that are, you know, legitimately being hurt. I'm, I don't have a problem with that. But then you swing the opposite end of the spectrum and now you've got to have safe spaces and you see that video from the Democratic Socialist Convention where everybody can't – nobody can clap. They have to do jazz hands because mm, they're yeah. afraid of triggering people. And I look at all that stuff and I go, all you people, all you hundred gender people, all you people, you're crazy. You're out of your minds. You need to stop talking and go away. You're embarrassing yourself. You know, so I, I am not going to I'm not going to 
call someone Zim or Zur or play that game. This is nonsense. These are crazy people. They do not deserve attention. They need to be mocked and shunned. And, and yes, the, the same. And, these are the same folks who don't take score in their children's sports uh, teams or activities, right? right? Right. And let me just be clear. If you are a transgendered person, that has got to be a very horror, a very terrifying way to go through life. It's got to be very confusing when you're a kid and you have all this uncertainty of school in general being d- difficult. Then you throw that on. T- it, I can't even imagine a lot of stress for that, kids. There, there's a lot be, of there's a lot of stress nowadays, Charlie, for, for kids and, now. It's sad. And I have a ton of empathy for for people that are going through that. But there is a point at which it go, it's gone way past that. It's gone into Crazyville, where every where everybody's got you know you can be non-binary and 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 pansexual. Yes. And it, it's and and it's like okay, asexual, asexual. I'm this. I'm I'm. It, I'm there's I so mean, many. There's so there's many. There's 53 of them according to Facebook. Oh my lord! And now I just read that they the now that it's over 100. So I mean, it's turning into sort of a parody of itself. I don't know that people are taking it seriously. And the and the problem is that there is a small group of people that are transgendered that are scared and terrified legitimately. And you're kind of, all these people are kind of debasing that whole movement. They're really sort of making a mockery out of it right now at, at this point. And because there are, there is a percentage of transgendered people. And when you see them, you know, out in public, you, you kind of do a double take. And I'm sure that there are some small minded rednecky people out there that take that a step further and, and act like jerks to them. And it's, you know, it's not a, not the right thing to do. But but if you just go by the the media focus, if you just go by what you hear or, you know, you read online or hear on your news, you would think that half the population was transgendered and that it was a contagious disease that's spreading you know that that because it is all that is being talked about in the media and you just and you just kind of have to look people are going where did this come from this doesn't feel organic to me this feels really contrived like all of a sudden it's everywhere and i don't uh, you know what is going on here <laughs> it just seemed very that's confusing very, you know it's it's half of one percent of the population but the it gets disproportionate news coverage so that, that to the point that you would think that you know my point is that you'd think that half the people had it right because it's all over the place in the news and then and, and and it's i'm just watching it and i'm i'm watching this it looks like social engineering to me you know it looks like a fake a fake event and I'm fascinated by it and I'm just interested to see where it goes. But I think that there's some people, some legitimate people that, you know, need to be protected. And then I think there's it, the vast majority of the rest of them are just yahoos that uh, want to go put on a banana hammock and go march down the street in, in combat boots and a leather hat um, because they think it seems cool. So right. it just, there's, I think there's just a bunch of, a bunch of goofballs out there that are kind of muddying up this whole movement. Well, I agree with you strongly on that assessment of yours. And of course, earlier in the beginning of the program, I said I had read the reviews and there was one comment that I saw that this, gen- this yes, this, <laughs> this very nice gentleman out there, he gave you a one-star review just for you. and Oh, that's nice of huh? Yes, and I quote, and this is the work of someone 
this is what he says, and I quote, this is the work of someone who fails to employ logic or reason. And, you know, Charlie, I want to ask you, are you going to let him style and profile on you like that, Charlie? <laughs> I think that uh, everybody is entitled to their opinion. I thought that that the book was filled with logic. I mean, that's kind of the whole point is like, let's take a logical look at this stuff. He just seems like a hater now. I think he I think he it did, did seem like somebody that that didn't quite get it. And that's OK. Got to love the Internet, what, though. You, you got to love of, you got to love the Internet, though, Charlie. I, I have to you have to get thick skin uh, if you're going to survive out here in the public. That being said, though, I, I think the book still has over a four star rating, which is pretty good. So, uh, you know, you're going to you're going to get that person that, that doesn't have a, a sense of humor. The thing about it that's a little bit unusual for a, a book that deals with so many serious topics is the fact that I put as much humor in it as I could. It actually turned out to be quite a funny book. Um, I put quotes in it from over 500 different people that had had some sort of role in these uh, important events. But And of course, you get people like the uh, Rothschilds and Rockefellers and Bushes and Clintons and Obamas and all that. But I also put a lot of George Carlin in there. I put a lot of Bill Hicks, Joe Rogan, you know, guys like that, that saw the world a little bit differently and they were able to uh, call out some of this insanity. And that's so, you know, the guy saying that I needed to get some logic. Well, when you get in the book and you start reading uh, George Carlin, that's, that's logic right there, right? George Carlin should be taught in school. You know, people should have, kids should have to watch his videos in high school um, because it comes across like half of it is comedy and half of it is a very accurate history lesson. It's so funny. So I, I decided yeah. that I wanted that in there. I wanted people to, to read. I want you to read some Carlin. I want you to hear how much sense he was making. And then at the very end, realize that he said this in 1982 and you're like, oh my God, he was so yeah. far ahead of his time. He was ahead of the game. Totally. So um, it's too it, bad. It's too bad. We don't really have too many uh, comedians like that anymore. The only great standout I think that we currently have right now is probably just Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle. Yeah, he's done a great, good, good job. My buddy went and saw him in L.A. and my buddy's Chinese and he was sitting in the front row and Dave said, like pointed to him and said, you're having a good year. This, uh, you're having a, <laughs> your, your people are having a good year with crazy rich Asians. And he's, he, he kind of nodded. He goes, what's your name? And he said, Brian. He goes, doesn't sound Chinese to me. I thought Asians <laughs> always had a great year. <laughs> right. Exactly. But he was specifically re referencing right. that, uh, the movie, uh, crazy oh, yes. rich Asians. So, uh, yeah, Chappelle's great. He comes out, starts talking the truth and what do they do? They give him a 0% zero percent rating. And, uh, and uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Rotten tomatoes well, right. that's that's a very telling uh, statement. Now that we have to, are we politicizing our movie ratings too? Like, where does this end? You know, it never does end. And of course, all this time, as we were talking, I, I again, I had more visuals in my head, uh, but this time of Bill Clinton dressed in Monica Lewinsky's blue dress. Yes, that is a great, um, very sexy Bill Clinton, right? Yeah, what do you think that was all about? Do you think that was I think a that's trophy? more I think it's more of an artistic sort of thing. Uh perhaps it was something humorous to the artist came up with or who knows. Uh these art these artists you never know what's going on through their head, but I I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty damn funny and kind of funny but really weird at the same time. 
It had well, what what someone this wasn't my theory, but but it's it's a theory that um, that I heard. And there's two paintings. There's the there's oh, the there's Bill two. in the blue dress, and then the second painting is of George W. Bush sitting cross-legged in front of his desk in the Oval Office, with, holding two airplanes, and there's and there's pi- two piles underneath that, which are like big Jenga blocks. So it's <laughs> as if he had built up two buildings and then crashed right. these these uh, toy airplanes into the buildings, right? And so there's the artist did both of those. And the theory that I heard was that this was um, – these were sort of trophy paintings to show that the Mossad had gotten Bill Clinton Uh-oh. back in the Monica Lewinsky days. They had the goods on him then and that the Mossad also had the goods on George W. Bush on 9-11 and that both of these paintings were more to symbolize as Epstein with Mossad ties would have had um, sort of, hey, look at my two pa- – look at the two paintings I have of, of my guys. You know, That's pretty fascinating. I didn't think of it that I way at all. I, I, heard, I mean I didn't come up with it, but I wow. heard it and I thought, ooh, that's a – there's a good rabbit hole to go dig down. Yeah, that's <laughs> pretty good. Nuts. Uh, by the way, do you do you dislike Bill Clinton or do you like him? Where I do you dislike stand? Bill. I dislike Bill Clinton. I think that he what he did to the black community was reprehensible. How he put on sunglasses and went on Arsenio Hall and played saxophone, and they thought he was the coolest dude they'd ever seen. And they all went out and voted for him. And then he passed his omnibus crime bill and put all of them in prison on extended sentences for crack cocaine while he himself was importing cocaine through Arkansas. I think Bill Clinton should be in a prison cell with his crazy wife. And the two of them should be away from the rest of society. I think they are maniacs. And the fact that they walk the streets freely. It's pretty outrageous. Crazy to me. Yes, it's of just course. Crazy. Of course, you are referring to Mina, Arkansas, and the drug trafficking that was going on there. And yes. uh, Bill claims that he had no involvement, but come on now. Come on now. Come I on mean, now. there's they're putting out. I mean, they're putting out movies. The American Made was about Barry Seal flying in and out of Mina, Arkansas. Great I mean, film. Tom Cruise played him. Like they're not even trying to hide it anymore. Okay, this was the CIA was running cocaine into Arkansas. The this is George H. W. Bush. That's psychopath. He was. They was running cocaine in through Mena, Arkansas, while Bill Clinton was the governor of Arkansas, and that was how he became a made man. Bill Clinton ran cocaine for the CIA. That's how he became the president. He's, a, is, he's a wild man, by the way. That Bill Clinton, what he did in the Oval Office, that is pretty rock starish, in my opinion. But obviously, a bad, bad man. I met his brother actually. Did um, you? Yeah, he. Uh, I was bartending. I, I lived in uh, Redondo Beach, California, and I was bartending. And Roger Clinton came in. Roger one night Clinton. While I was, yeah, yeah, Roger while I was has bartending been. And had a drink, and mm-hmm. we watched a Virginia uh, basketball game together. He was totally cool. He was a very nice he's, guy. I'm pretty sure he's a nice guy, and of course, they let him off the hook as well. They certainly did. Good yep. guy, though. I'm sure he's a nice guy. That That's the thing about Bill. I don't exactly hate him on a personal level. I can relate to some of the bad things he's done. But of course, there are other things he's done that I can't relate to either. But yeah. on, a, on a human sort of level, I kind of find it hard to hate anyone, really. 
Yeah, I just wish he hadn't. I mean, I just think he was a big phony. I, I, oh, of if, course. If you've ever course. watched that video. He's a politician. A, First of all, he's a politician. Of course he's a phony. He's just a bit. Yeah, he's just, uh, you know, he had that whole that whole rap where he's like, hey, I'm just Bill. I'm just going to go jogging into McDonald's. And people are like, oh, right. my God, I love this guy. This guy is the greatest. And hey, yeah, maybe he's going to get a little side action. And who can blame him? Hillary's such a well, look gotch, at that. you know, and yeah. And, you know, and so he had this kind of lovable side to him. But now I now I I understand. But he's greasy, though. He's he he's a he's a they're a slippery family. Yeah. You know, uh, they're 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 very smart. They're I mean, very calculating and and uh, very dangerous. And they will be remembered, uh, unfortunately. Yeah. How history for a very will, long time, how history will remember them. That's one of the most interesting things and most interesting aspect of all of this. There will definitely be lots of books that come out and document a lot of the truth that went on once um, both of these, um, I, I even hate to say this, but once they go to the graves, that's when you'll start seeing the information revealed. Yeah. And same with a lot of presidents that are still currently alive as well. Yeah. And ju- and we saw that in the UK with guys like Ted Heath that w- when he died, it came out, you know, what a notorious pedophile he was. And, and, you know, and same with, with Jimmy, Jimmy Savile too, you know, it, it was another like known, it was a known secret. You know, everyone in the industry knew it um, uh, for, you know, Johnny Rotten's on the, on, on the record being interviewed in 1977, talking about it, saying that uh, Jimmy Savile, you know, diddling kids and stuff like that. But then it always happens. That it sort of get held under wraps until they die. And then at that point, then they're, then it gets out. So, so who in, in our United States world, who are, who's going to, you know, who's that, who's going to get the Jimmy Savile treatment once they die? I thought it was going to be George H.W. Bush because he was a notorious pedophile and uh, a reprehensible human being. Allegedly. So I, allegedly. Allegedly. Right, yeah. I don't want uh, you to get sued now. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was waiting for all of the stories about him to come out. And I, I guess my, you know, the only thing I'm thinking is that because there's a George, George W. Bush that may be out of respect, they've kept it hidden, but that's a bad man. Wolf. Yeah. But, Only time will tell, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, another, um, random question for you here. How do you feel about Tom Brady, uh, kissing his kids on the mouth? I have no kids myself, but I wanted to ask you as a parent, are, are you kissing your kids on the mouth, Charlie? Uh, I have an eight year old daughter and yeah, she gives me a kiss on the lips. Yeah. Yeah. It's very sweet. And how old are you going to cut but that I don't, off? No, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. That's a good question. Because now Tom Brady, I'm seeing he's also putting powder and towels down centers, pants to avoid uh, wet, sweaty footballs. <laughs> he's a, he's a, he's a bit of a freak, right? Tom Brady. Yeah, they're they're. Uh, I met Tom Brady. I, you know what? I met Tom Brady right after. He, he seems was. like a nice. He seems like such a nice guy, though. He was, he was, he didn't say a word to me, frankly. I oh, met him really? right after the, the ESPY awards, uh, after he'd won, this was 2002. So he just won his first Super Bowl, And, uh, we were sort of standing in a group at this after party. Uh, and I, I knew who he was, but obviously you didn't, I didn't think he would be, you know, turn into this gigantic star, uh, that he's turned into. It's, um, you know, the he, he's pretty polarizing. You know, he's on a team that does really well every year. And, and uh, he's pretty loved. 
and and he's good looking and he's married to a great looking woman who makes more money than he does. I don't know so about there's that. A lot, there's I, a lot to be I jealous think, uh, of. I mean, well, Charlie, I think I have to disagree with you on the wife there. I don't think she's uh, nothing to brag about. If you know what I'm saying, I, come come on, Charlie, you could do better than that, Charlie. He could, well, look, he, Charlie, you look like Dan Henderson. You could you could pull in something <laughs> a lot better. <laughs> oh, Tom. Well. I, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of reasons to give Tom Brady a hard time. He's done a good job of staying <laughs> he's out. He's a good of, guy. He's a good guy. For the, mo- for the most part, he's done a good job of staying out of uh, controversial topics. Yeah. They all tend to get that. Uh, I actually own a company with a buddy of mine. We do media training for pro athletes. So we get oh, guys snap. ready okay. for for the draft and get them ready for, you know, dealing with the media when they become pros. So we have these conversations with the guys and we tell them like, okay, you know, <laughs> there's some things you just don't want to say in the press. Oh, of course home, not. Even at not. home, if you're smart, you'll stay out of it. Uh, so. Well, you got to stir the pot somehow. Yeah. Well, we've been, we've been, we're trying to uh, minimize that stuff on our end. We want our guys to not, we don't want to get phone calls in the middle of the night that one of our guys has gotten a DUI or oh, something. Oh, no. Like that. Yeah, you don't want to have another. Issue a statement like let's, you know. Yeah, the, the Patriots, there's always a there's always a, a teammate there that's troublesome. Look at yeah, Aaron they Hernandez. Yeah, keep them on, they get them on course. We'll see how, I don't know if you can mix a. Josh Gordon and Antonio Brown together. That's a seems like a, a dangerous combination. We'll see how it plays out this year. We will. And of course, for those that don't know, you are in Colorado. And I yes. wanted to talk I wanted to talk to you about marijuana and yes. your thoughts and opinions right now. We're we're having lots of um these stories come out about the vaping illness. And yes. some people are blaming uh, the oil, the THC oil, the the wax, uh, and of course, some people are blaming the nicotine aspect of it with the flavored tobacco. And I got to be honest with you, back I think it was 2013 or 15 when it really started started to get um, really really popular the uh, the e vapes. And I, I took a hit of one from a friend of mine and right away it irritated my throat. And that's when I knew, okay, this is going to be dangerous. I sort of thought. And around that time, that's when the whole medical marijuana issue was really being pushed out here in California. And I instantly thought once this gets, uh, I guess you could say legal for recre- recreational use, that's when these other corporations are going to muddy the waters and incorporate all these sort of um, pesticides. And years later, it seems like people now are starting to get sick. And now, Charlie, I'm wondering if this was such a good idea. Well, I like that. Um, I like that they legalized marijuana. It's ridiculous that it was sure. illegal for so long. And it's right. and I live in you know in, right outside of Denver. This was the first place to get it. Uh, the stores are fantastic. They're really well done. They do a tremendous amount of security. You have to scan your driver's license to get in with a with a person, and they have you on video and everything. I mean, it's very it's like a well run organization. And I um, am always surprised that the people I see coming and going. You know, I see because uh, I drive right by one to get to take my daughter to school and you see people that are like 70 year old ladies and and uh, not it. So it's not as, you know, businessmen, construction guys coming, you know, buying whether it's, pot, you know, weed or CBD or, you know, uh, vape. So it's crazy to see the cross section of people. I sort of assumed when they, you know, were opening these that um, it was just going to be a bunch of stoner kids hanging out, you know, sure. hanging out in front of it, and that 
wasn't the case at all. They look like uh, Apple stores on yeah. the inside. You know, they're really well done and uh, and so professional. And and, and I don't know. So the uh, the whole vaping you know crisis right now. To me personally, it looks like a uh, an effort by the cigarette industry to try and take out their competition. You know, it seems a little bit coordinated that all of a sudden it's like, well. We understand that vaping, you know, I mean, I think everybody looks at it and, and kind of jokingly says like, oh, your your ears are definitely going to fall off in like 10 years, <laughs> you know. And, um, you know, I think it's always kind of been a, a that sort of a joke, you know, it doesn't there's got to be some sort of price you pay for it. But then the fact that all of a sudden, all at once, it's just everywhere in the news. I don't know. But it's just one. It's just one more of those things that just looks a little bit too contrived to me. Could have just know? been a like, bad. Why now? Right. It could have just been a bad batch. You never know. And uh, and I'm not talking about the marijuana product. I'm talking about the uh, e-cigarette stuff that mm-hmm. really, really does a, a a wreck on your lungs. There. Yeah. I just tell people yeah. to go natural. Just just smoke the just smoke weed. Just smoke weed. Yeah. Of course. I. Uh, Love, I get really good gummy edibles there. They're fantastic. That I works take too. one and I sleep better than I've ever slept in my life. My shoulder feels better. It's, they've, they're, it's phenomenal. I can't say enough good things about it. It's really kind of funny. I remember being in college. I went to USC. I remember we would have to go like to this gas station on the corner of Pico and Alvarado. And you just pull <laughs> up in your car and guys run at you from like every direction. And they're like, how much do you want? You know, and you're like 20 bucks. And so I'm used to buying weed that way um back in college and to go from that to walking into a place when they're like you know you have to get your card swiped to get through the door and then there's like a hundred different varieties of everything and you've ever wanted in your life it's pretty (laughs) fantastic pretty amazing yes and of course there are also uh, delivery uh, services now too which is just more convenient that's great that would have i mean where was this when I was in college? I know. That's what I was saying. Stuff for, that was sprayed with raid. You know, I mean, we didn't know what we were getting. It was, it was no bueno, but, uh, these kids, these kids, these days, they're going to grow up so spoiled where they can just buy weed on the corner. Like they're going into seven 11 and we're going to all the fun out of it. Or they'll get molested by their PE teachers <laughs> and have a relationship and even impregnate the teacher. Yes. That's you know, another crazy world. That's another weird thing, Charlie. And I'm sure as a parent, you have to maybe even consider that sort of thing happening to your child or even your child being shot at school uh, now in, in almost 20, it's almost 2020 now. Oh, These are the things I, you got to worry about. I know. I mean, there's, this is one of the things that makes me nuts is because I, uh, you know, I, you got a daughter, everything, Charlie. Everything I, restarted for I, me once when my oh. daughter was born. Everything like the clock reset, right? Yeah. So I'm like, okay, now it's not just like, hey, I'm 45 or 40, you know, like now I'm 46. Uh, what do I have? Another 40 years left? You know, eh, you know, I'm half, I'm halfway out the door already, right? But when you have a kid, then the whole clock restarts. Everything like, changes, right, right? Well, now I gotta. Now I got to like make sure that the world is good for her and that's going to be 80 years. So, all right, maybe I need to get my act together and, you know, whatever. So, yeah, that's another thing that, again, I I have no kids, but that's something that I even I think about sometimes uh, for for the parents out there. And uh, with with all these mass shootings going on, Charlie, I'm sure you probably contemplated that sort of situation already in your head. Well, I drive uh, right past Columbine. Oh my school. God. I was just going to say to, to oh, school. Yes. I was just yeah, going to say Columbine, where, right? Yeah. From where my house is. Wow. Um, so that is, you know, that is 
you know, this it's a it's a topic that has. Uh, oh boy, you want to talk about layered? You know, there's a lot there, but but uh, but just on a on sort of a surface layer, like we've got to do a better job of taking care of some of the mental health aspects that some of the kids have. You know, we need to be aware of it. I am not somebody that believes that these all these shootings are as they appear. In fact, I think that many of them are very contrived and and possibly even staged. But um, there are kids in this country that are, you know, being a kid and being in high school is just difficult under the best of circumstances. There's a lot of kids that are dealing with other stuff, you know, homelessness right. of their parents and or drug addict parents and things like that. And, you know, th- they can, they can have a really extra difficult time in high school and, and snap and, and be part of a school shooting. Now, in the case of Columbine, the two kids just seem like jerky kids, you know, right. they just seem like kids that just wanted to be, you know, little pricks and, 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 you know, uh, you know, kill all their friends. I mean, they seem like horrible people, but, but I think there's a taking them out of the equation. I think there's a bunch of people that are just very troubled and scared and mentally unbalanced. And, you know, unfortunately that's, I think not getting better. Yeah. These school shootings almost getting worse, right? These school shootings almost have become the new normal. Yeah. And then, then the media sort of perpetrate, you know, sort of propagates this thing. They talk about it over and over and over again. And then it, and then some kids get it in their head that, well, I might not be popular at school, but if I shoot up a school, then I'll be popular with it. Like everybody will know my name, not just in school, but in the world, you know? And so then they get these sort of delusions and that fuels more copycatting. And and that's what happened right after the Columbine shooting. There was a string of copycat shooters indeed. Yeah, these things, this this is the byproduct or this is what happens when you have a television-based society like we have. You know, you you see it on TV, it becomes real, it becomes bigger than real, it becomes the most important thing. And then you have kids, you know, copying what they see on TV, whether it's by smoking, which we know is a very effective way of, 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 of advertising to kids, you know, just see them either whether they're copying by smoking or by shooting up a school, <laughs> you know, if they see it on their TV over and over again, it becomes something that they want to aspire to be a part of. And that can be very, very dangerous. But yeah. that's like the social engineering aspect of this, that the media is doing this and they're doing this on purpose, that they're, that they could be covering anything, but they're choosing to cover this because, it's interesting and it sells. It sells, and right. so we get more of it. And so we they want more of it. And it becomes this really weird cycle where we're sort of manifesting this negative world, you know. I'm with you, my friend. And of yeah. course, just recently, the third Democratic debate took place. I'm not quite sure if you even caught any of that. The media really sure took it to a Joe Biden uh, for his dentures as well. Yes, I did see that. I didn't watch the the debate. You didn't miss did. too much. You, let's be honest. I yeah. This this to me is first of all, it's weird to me that they're keeping Tulsi out. I think that Very that's weird. Pretty disingenuous. I like uh, her. Yeah, I like her too. I mean, I think she's got some really interesting things to say. I don't think that there's a, a candidate that I'm going to ever be like. I love a hundred percent of the things that they're into. But you shouldn't be. 
Yeah, it, that would be weird if, if that yeah. was the case. So, uh, But I, I really like her, but even m- more so than that, even if I didn't like her, it, th- this intentional exclusion is is weird. This is – they did this – this is the Ron Paul treatment. You remember when they I remember. do that? Right. They would show like these are the top um, – you know, the top five uh, places after the debate and it would be like number one, number two, number three, number five. And they wouldn't show number four because it was Ron Paul, and they would just pretend like it didn't exist. It was really funny. John Stewart sad. did a bit on it. Yeah, and he would show like, "What about this number? <laughs> what about this number? This number right here?" You know, he's freaking out. And and this is what they're doing to Tulsi. So it's it's, it's a dirty trick, and it just says it just screams like, "Hey, at the, we at the DNC, like we will do whatever the hell we want to do, and yeah, we will clearly... exclude candidates if if we if we need we will steal it from Bernie. We'll do." whatever we want to do yeah they clearly don't want her on and of course bernie sanders did a pretty good job in my opinion even though he's a little bit nuts uh, he still did a a great job out there in my opinion Uh, it looked a lot better than some of the guys out there especially um uh beto o'rourke oh boy yeah he he found a way to make everybody in texas hate him beto o'rourke is what i call him (laughs) that's a good one he's uh he's uh you know, this is just this guy is just like the rest of them. He's like, you know, people are very anti-gun these days. Oh, ooh, anti-gun, good, good. Listen, okay, so how can I be anti-gun? I'll say that I'll take away their AR-15s. That's a great idea. Now say that you'll go door to door and do it. Oh yeah, I'll say that. And then you're like, who are you? What are you talking about? What do you do? You know, this is this is like nonsense politics like who can out crazy the other one yeah they're not on, on a particular topic and you know what's going to wind up happening uh, and i'm politically agnostic i don't like either party but uh th- this is this is going to hand it to donald trump i hate to say it i didn't well I didn't vote um, for donald trump i'm not i don't disagree I think I think he's a I think he's a maniac, um, but I think that Hillary Clinton would have been even worse. But uh, I they are screwing around and they are going to wind up handing this thing to Donald Trump and and they're going to have nobody to blame but themselves. It seems this, like it. It seems behavior like it. Is so weird from the DNC. I grew up thinking that Democrats were like these softer, gentler, like we don't want war and we're sort of more inclusive. No, and, hey, man, dirty. you need to get it. And the Republicans were these like, you know, white men in blue suits that were like, you know, kind of racist and pretty Christian and sort of jerks. And that's and what I've come to understand these days is that the left is filled with crazy, crazy people. That's true. There's a lot of nut, nutty people, people out there. And and I'm and I'm watching this whole thing and I'm just going going what what is what are you guys doing what is the democratic socialist uh committee doing why are you guys having these meetings where you call each other comrade and you won't use the right gender like you guys where you like i feel like i woke up in some acid trip it's very (laughs) strange the left has gone totally bonkers and uh, and and Donald Trump and all those guys on the right are just standing there watching the circus and they're just going to watch it and watch it and watch them burn themselves to the ground and out crazy one another. And he's just going to he's just going to say, OK, four more years. All right, we're good. We're ready to go. And then they're going to be screaming, you know, like that lady from the that they've made the <laughs> meme about you screaming. Why? You know, that's going to be them for four more years if they don't get their act together. Forg- but they can't seem to do it. By the way, Charlie. You forgot to mention Marianne Williamson, another uh, crazy that I do like, though. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she's she nuts. Was just like, she's just, uh, yeah, I kind of like, I like, her you know, though. I kind of like it when you're a little bit nuts like I that. I kind of like, like you being nuts. Yes. It's, it's I the like, same reason why I like Jesse Ventura because he's also nuts, but yeah, he's not going to be the president anytime soon. It's the same reason the first time I voted, the first time I was old enough to vote was 92. I voted for, for Ross Perot because I thought he was kind of crazy and a little bit outside of the box. And I, I really enjoyed that, but I don't see, I don't see. Well, these are two, these Democrats, like I, like I mentioned in previous shows, they make Obama look like a conservative. For sure. For sure. They certainly do. You know, what's funny is I was at, uh, uh, this year, the anarchist convention. Oh, wow. uh, Okay, cool. Yeah, it's awesome. I spoke there, and in one of the great things about speaking there is that I got to stay and, and watch all the other speakers. Very nice. And you know, it's so funny is that you see a guy come up to the stage in, in his late seventies, who an old white guy who spent two decades in Congress, walk into an anarchist convention and get a standing ovation, and that is Ron Paul. And He's I, the man. I gotta say, man, he just made a whole lot of sense. I feel like we need a lot more Ron Pauls and a lot less, you know, Marco Rubio's and Mitch McConnell's and these these maniac warmonger guys that are trying to kick up, you know, wars with Iran and these like we got to get rid of these psychopaths. They're going to get us all killed. <laughs> I believe so. And by the way, when you brought up Ron Paul, I was thinking of his son, Rand Paul, who I always say this on the show, too. He doesn't have the same sort of charisma that his father has yet. I'm not sure why. Yeah, I'm sort of on the fence he with him. Like every yet. now and every now and then I'll say like, oh, he did something like I, I'm totally on board with it. That's something that his dad would do. And then he does something and that I go, I, I'm not in, I'm not really into that. So I'm sort of I'm not really sure how I feel about Rand Paul as as much. But Word. Ron Paul, man, he's just he's you know, pretty solid. Talk about logic, right? I wonder if any. I would think, wonder if my uh, one-star critic uh-huh. on Amazon would would say that Ron Paul was illogical. Yes, that's right? true. I listened to him, and and he he had th- three thousand people for forty-five minutes, just like totally enthralled because he was talking sense. He was. He was making. He was talking about practical things and and pointing out some real obvious flaws in our current system and everyone just really appreciated the honesty and like a, from a straight shooter like him i just feel like you know do we have we don't do we have anyone like that to vote for probably not probably not probably I mean, not sort of a you know they don't ron paul's don't really grow on trees they i don't. guess you know yep they really don't and of course Personally, I don't think the Democrats, I don't think any of them have enough moxie to uh, take it to uh, Donald J. Trump. It'll take a special person to sort of uh, defeat him in the public eye, especially in a debate sort of setting. That's really going to be the only thing worth watching, my friend, uh, yeah. the debate when, when it's going to yeah. be Trump in there. Yeah, it's funny. They they found out last time around their strategy was well, we'll shame him, right? And what they didn't, what they failed to realize is that you can't shame somebody that has no shame. That's and true. It just didn't work with him. You tried to you do you know you bring up the, the hidden tapes of grab him by the you know where and all that stuff and it, it that just was hilarious by the way. Let, let's be honest, wasn't that funny? I mean, it was like this is hey, this is. 
welcome to guy talk. Like that was awesome. this is what happens on the bus. Uh, you know, they were on a bus at the thing. And this is what happens when you travel with sports teams. Sure. You know, yeah. <laughs> this is the, the sort of it's listen, it's awful conversation. Women right? are worse, though. I, I've heard and, women have these sort of same conversations, I've, too. They I'm get sure, very I'm greasy. Sure. I'm sure they do. I definitely hear stories about them, <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, so anyway, the strategy last time of, of trying to shame this guy doesn't, didn't work. So what are they going to do this time? They're going to try and like attack him on his record and uh, attack him on his flip-flopping on things. And all he'll do is say, I didn't flip-flop. <laughs> and that's it. It'll just be a giant, even if it's a huge lie, he'll just say, I didn't do that. And that'll be the end of it. And then they'll, they'll scream your line and he'll say, I'm not lying. And it's, and it'll just be this circus going on that it'll just, you you know, the Benny Hill theme song. It's that I feel like I hear that in my head when I watch Donald Trump doing speeches and everything. I just hear that frantic kind of circus music, you know, I just mm. feel like this is yes. all a giant show and it's the most entertaining show that I've ever watched. And it's crazy. And he's a crazy person. And he's made everyone else feel very uncomfortable that they needed their safe space. And that, of <laughs> course, makes me laugh. Sure. So on, the, on the one hand, I love that he trolls CNN and says, you're, you're fake news because they are fake news and they deserve to hear it. I like that he makes people uh, uncomfortable, you know. Yeah, but there's a lot of redeeming I, qualities about him. But then I I can't stand how close he is with Israel. Oh, you know, I can't I just, stand. I, yeah, well, one of my biggest complaints about uh, Trump was his involvement with Goldman Sachs and, of course, Jeffrey Epstein. I've been seeing that since 2016. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have. I don't like a lot of his ties. I don't, you know, so I. I, I hear you. I just and I didn't, you know, frankly, just on a personality level, you know, back when he was just doing The Apprentice and everything, that's just not a personality type that I enjoy. Like, I think I don't like guys like that. I think that, you know, I just did, I just don't. But um, so anytime you say like he's like, a multi-layered I, personality, he's an interesting guy. He's a perfect television personality, You're and right. and and the reality of our current paradigm is that. If you want to become the president, you have got to be good on television. You have that to. That is just a fact. You have and to, yes. You're not, you know, and, and, and Obama did this. He went through eight years with just this coolness to him and this smile and just this charisma. It. And you almost forgot that he was bombing school buses. You know, you could almost forget that he had expanded the wars from two to seven, you know? Because he looked so good while he was ordering drone strikes on wedding parties, you know? And so I felt even slimier after Obama, you know what I mean? Like for all the 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 Trump, you know, for, for all the kind of buffoonery of Trump, Obama was a murderer with a big smile and people loved him because of that smile and they were willing to look the other way while he did unspeakable things. And it's fascinating to me. It's all about perception. Yeah. Yeah. We let these presidents do unimaginable things on behalf of our country. And it's, it's very disrespectful to the rest of the world and even to ourselves, you know, Yes, and of course, Charlie, we find ourselves just a few days out from 9-11, and it seemed yeah. like this year, people finally talked a little bit more about it. The, the previous years, I noticed, not too much coverage. The media wasn't really talking too much about it, but now, as time just passed by, it seemed like they covered it very slightly, but 
not to the extent where you'd like. Yeah, I felt like the alternative media was really in, sure. into it this year. Um, I did a lot of uh, I did a lot of interviews in particular just about 9-11 it's such a obviously it's it's our it's our pearl harbor it's our Our jfk jfk it's all those things you know it's it it was the most you know it was the biggest turning point in in the last 50 years for us and um and so many people still don't know the ins and outs of it, you know, and I don't mean um, that they have it all figured out down to a T exactly who wired what and did what when. But I mean, I'm talking about just people having a cursory knowledge that the official story is a lie and that there is a whole bigger, a bigger story to it. And that these wars were preplanned and that the people that are in charge of these you know, launching these wars are still running this world and uh, things like that. I mean, I, I, I feel like I think the last statistic I saw was that a little bit more than 50 percent of the population thinks that um, either 9-11 was an inside job or, or the official story wasn't um, quite accurate, wasn't quite accurate. And I thought, well, that's good to know that it had gotten over 50 percent. But then again, I also see that Joe Biden's leading oh, the poll. Lord. So I think I don't know if polls mean anything. I mean, I guess it depends. Uh, that's on- another thing, though, about polls that we don't really exactly know where these polls are are being taken. No. I've never, I've, I've never personally knew anyone or known anyone rather who's taken one of these polls. No, I think you have to be dumb enough to get trapped on the telephone taking a poll. And then so, so the, the people taking the poll by default are all sort of at the bottom of the gene pool, so to speak. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I don't, uh, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't really pay attention to any of these I polls, I guess is my point. I don't think you need to. I don't think they're very accurate for the most uh, time, for the most, uh, for the most uh, damn uh, time here. They they just don't make any sense. And another thing I did want to bring up to you here was uh, the whole make my day law that was rejected recently over there in Colorado. It's something I, I forgot to mention to you, and I'm not quite sure if, if you're even familiar with what's going on out there with that law. Um, is that the, the red flag law? It's the talking about? Colorado's make my day law gives gun owners the right to shoot and kill an intruder. And of course, in self-defense, if they right. believe that person intends to commit a crime. I feel like, shouldn't that just be law kind of anywhere? <laughs> I would have, <laughs> I, mean, to, I would have to assume that, but a judge rejected that for some odd reason. Huh? I, I, you know, the gun, the gun. Yeah, let's go back to the gun thing real quick here. Yeah, the gun topic is is an interesting one because you know, I uh, I'm not a you know I'm not a big gun fan. I don't I don't love it. I don't love them. But I I I acknowledge though that every mass genocide started first with the the arming of the situ- of the citizens you know this is how it happened in russia and china and cambodia and in germany and places like this and so this is when they're trying to take your guns there there is a reason why you're supposed to hold on to them because it always ends badly when they disarm the public so i'm very mindful of that but at the same time like i just don't love the idea of everyone i, I just you know i wish we didn't i guess that's a little hippie-ish to say i wish we didn't have guns but uh um, I think pe- I don't think that people in government should start talking about trying to take people's guns away from them. That is just that that is first of all, it just 
it's none of their business. And second of all, like you, you are going to really turn everybody into a conspiracy theorist, you know, when you start doing stuff like that, that is going to be very suspicious to a lot of people. And uh, you are going to meet with some pretty severe pushback from a lot of the gun, the gun lovers. Yes. The gun enthusiasts out there, you would get a lot of heat once you start talking about taking away guns. And I think they have a place. I do too. And I think that they, you know, the point that the gun owners make is, well, look, I'm a, you know, licensed gun owner and I'm a a responsible adult and I'm not a criminal. Like you're going to take my guns, but you do realize the criminals are not going to give you theirs. So it's going to be criminals armed, public disarmed. And this is a, this is going to create more of what you're trying to pretend to stop. And uh, so I get their point with that. I I totally get their point. I think, I think that that's a logical way to see it. So, um, you know, there's there, everyone's talking, all the politicians talk about gun control. They're like, we want to get guns off the streets. You want to get the guns off the streets from the criminals, but you're not going to get that when you say everybody's got to turn in their guns. That's right. The only people that are going to listen to you are the people that you don't have to worry about in the first place. The people that are like super law abiding, the criminals will not be turning them in. I don't know why this is a difficult concept for the politicians to understand. They've got to come up with a different plan. This isn't, this is not working. Right. And I acquiesce. Here is another side note for you, my friend. I'm not sure if you are into movies much, but I will watch a lot more movies than I do television uh, easily. And there's a movie that will be coming out October 4th called Cuck. And it's about when a frustrated loner gains popularity as an alt-right vlogger, the online echo chamber turns his fears into a deadly rage. Will you be watching that movie? And what are your thoughts? Did you even hear about this? This is amazing. Oh my God, man. That is a, that is some, that is a movie. I might have to go to the weed store before watching that movie. You got to see that one. That, I don't know, man. That might be just a little too alt-right for me. That (laughs) is heavy, right? That is crazy. The Um, movie's called Cook. That's that is is that predictive pro is that sort of pre-programming are they trying to turn everybody into a bunch of uh wimpy like non-binaries i have no clue i don't know but it's very interesting and i definitely will have to watch this one it's it sounds hilarious <laughs> well then i'll get your recommendation from you you tell me if you tell me it's good i'll get it i'll watch it i'll watch it yeah i'll watch it i'll tell you about it <laughs> please do Jeez. That's going to be either the best movie you've ever seen or the worst movie you've ever seen. Maybe even both. Maybe even both. Maybe even both. And uh, of course, musicians and movie stars both, of course, have taken advantage of their privileges that they've had being these sort of pulverizing stars. And of course, there is a new a new guy who has just been me too'd, by the way, and that comes from the the courtesy of one rapper, Riff Raff. I'm not quite sure if you are familiar with, with this uh, gentleman here, but he was once a quote-unquote celebrity Vine star turned rapper. But I think he was always a rapper, but they worded this thing wrong here on this article. But apparently this guy, he was also hooking up with underage women. Mm. And he's a he looks like a very confused individual, this um, <laughs> Riff Raff, a real name. I believe his real name is somewhere on here, and it's it's a very strange, a very strange name. It's like uh, horse something, horse, 
Yeah, it's a very it's a very strange name. I think I would stick with Riff Raff. I, I think so too. I that might be better. <laughs> but yeah, that's um yeah, Horst Christian Simcoe is his real name. Whoa, that would be my porn name. Horst Christian Simcoe. That that sounds like a porn yeah. name and one yeah. Riff Raff, the the rapper, quite popular I guess in the early 2000s to about 2012. I recall seeing a lot of his music out there. Not that I'd listen to a lot of this stuff, but I, I know about these sort of things. Don't don't ask me about it. And um, a little too much TMZ. Yeah, it's right? a, it's a it's uh, well, <laughs> it's it's a it's a mess. But yeah, so this guy Riff Raff here, he's also now the latest, I guess, quote unquote, victim of this Me Too movement. Uh, apparently, lots of women have come forward though about these alleged allegations. And uh, by the looks of a horse, a Christian Simcoe, I could. I could probably assume, and this is just my opinion, that he probably did what they were claiming he did. <laughs> Does he look like a sketchy individual? A really greasy, very sketchy, very suspect. I think it, I think it's safe to say that he probably committed these things. I'm uh, I'm now looking. You're looking he, at one. Oh, riff raff. okay. Look at that okay. guy. Yep. Riff yes, raff. I think I, I, there I he think... is. <laughs> wow! Amazing, right? There's people Sometimes that exist the that just write themselves. Can you believe that someone like that even exists? Oh, man, this Amazing. is like he looks like a pair. It's like a parody of of white rappers. Or yeah, right. I think that's what he was going for. He was trying to do a parody of what stereotypical rappers would look like. Yeah, it's it's, it's almost like Jamie Foxx, right? This might be the greatest. Uh, this might be in like an Andy Kaufman esque. Wait, wait, did I say I, Jamie Foxx? I meant Jamie Kennedy. Jamie Kennedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. The Jamie Kennedy experience. Yeah. Oh my. This Lord. is. Uh, this is maybe he's he's doing a, a like a long, drawn out Andy Kaufman performance, and he's like a serious British theater actor underneath, Jeez. and he's trolling us. This would be the greatest thing of all time. Well, I think definitely he is a troll. I, I, well, for sure, for sure. But he's he's made a career out of it, which is incredible. This, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe his music's good, but he looks like um, mm, I don't know. If you, I, you know, it can't be good. It can't be that good. It can't be good with those stupid tattoos. No, probably not. Uh, I mean, just look <laughs> at him. He has a BET sticker and a coding cup a tattoo or sticker, a, a BET tattoo and an MTV tattoo and uh, two cups of codeine on his hands, on the back of his hands. Uh, yeah, I don't think his music is any good, but I'm sure there's I, people out there who do <laughs> like that, believe it or not. Yeah, well, don't don't, uh, don't spend all your money, Riff Raff. You might want to hang on to a little bit of it. Trying to get a photo up for the chat room for those that don't know what the hell we're talking about here. He just picture George Michael and Vanilla Ice had a kid. That's actually pretty good. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed. So you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. The visuals in my head now. Yeah. <laughs> You've been saying a lot of things and all kinds of visuals in my head have been popping up. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Oh, there it is. There it is. Now, now it's in the chat room. Look at that, people. Look at this face. 
This guy's accused of sexual assault? No way. There he is. I mean, well, the, the most nice thing I could say is he does have very nice eyes. Oh, that's he's cool. a little he's a little wild looking, but his eyes are not that, you know, he seems like a friendly guy, maybe. But then again, you could look at his eyes and probably think you might get raped. Yeah. yeah he looks he, like he a looks little rapey, like a classy rapist, classy rapist. I, I could go with that. Yeah. With Elton John glasses on. Lord, that that facial hair, though. It's yeah, like that skinny go. beard looking thing. I'm not it's sure like who's into that. Jersey Shore. Yeah. Oof. I just, I just can't do it. Riff raff. I'm sorry. Oof. Those, um, those shades though. Those are some old school Oakley shades though. Like he's going to go some, um, pitch somewhere. Like, yeah. Or, or like MC Hammer's first album. Oh, there you go. Even better. Yeah. And of course, speaking, and we're going to wrap up pretty soon here. Speaking of which though, since we're talking about the music industry, one uh, R. Kelly does come to mind. Now, that's not really much of a multi-layered issue. He was sort of like the, I guess you could say, the real Michael Phelps, king of the water sports, my friend. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> and once again, who who made us all aware, aware of it? Dave Chappelle. Dave, Dave Chappelle, Chappelle spoofed him and turned it into like a big joke. And uh, I mean, because obviously that's what he does. He's a comedian with his own skit show right. you know and and it was really funny but 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 what actually inadvertently happened was that it kind of got normalized like everybody knew R-, R. Kelly was into some bad stuff with some young girls and like nobody did anything about it for like 10 years like it would kind of there was a little bit of like a you know talk about it in like 2004 then it went away and then it went away for like over 10 years and then it came back again but the whole time it was like out in the open it was a very weird thing it seemed to me like to be honest with you it seemed like he he finally pissed off the wrong person and then it became something you know because it all just kind of happened all you know boom next thing you know he's you know it didn't seem like he had changed he had been kind of this creepy guy that looked like he was sort of running a cult kind of and then they even had a tv show about it yeah it was strange (laughs) though very out in the open but i mean when you have that sort of money you know, the sky's the limit. It doesn't even matter what you look like. You can look like Tom Hanks did in the movie Castaway and you could still pull in uh, nines and tens. No problem. Uh, it's yeah. your wallet that becomes the most attractive. That's what I tell many men out there who struggle with lots of things. Uh, don't really worry about what you look like. Worry about what your wallet looks like sometimes because that will go a long way. It doesn't really matter uh, what you look like. That's always the most uh, seducing thing to a woman. For sure. Just look, just look around. Look at, look at the most powerful men out there. Look at all the sleazy things they've done. You think they got away with it with just merely their looks? I mean, give me a break. Give me a break. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there's a, there's a lot of that. I've gr- growing up in Southern California. You know, you're, you know, but there, there is a lot of that. Uh, there is you... a, there is a bit of truth. There, there's a whole lot of truth to that. Uh, it's you know, scary, obviously right? Not in every case, but. But uh, yeah, we saw quite a quite a bit of the sugar daddy life going on there. Well, you see a lot of that. Yeah, well, see a lot of that going on. You see a lot of uh, Tinder dates going on. Uh, even Grinder, uh, for those out there that are into that. Yep. Can't can't dismiss them. They're out there. They listen to this show. We we got some listeners from Palm Springs here, Charlie. I'm sure. Yeah, man. There's They're the best. Be. Like I said, they make that town. They make that town fun. I had a friend one time who is a homosexual, by the way, a good friend of mine, and he moved out there to Palm Springs. And one day he randomly sends me a text message and I look at the text message and it's a picture. And once I fully examine the photograph, it is one Andy Dick 
And the first thing I tell him is run. Oh, run yeah, now, like run it. away. You're going to, you're about to, somebody's about to get molested. That's true. Yeah. He's going to get me too. <laughs> Andy Dick. Yeah. And th- it's funny that because guy. yeah, he did get me too, but he had always been kind of like this harmless, you know, like the perception was that he was this kind of drunken, drugged out, like harmless, right. you know, ass squeezing <laughs> goofball. Uh, He's a character, right? Yeah. He's a yeah, strange guy. That one, that Andy Dick. All kinds of stories about him, ladies and gentlemen, if you are not fully aware of one, uh, Andy Dick, YouTube is a good resource for that. Yeah, I think he lives in his van in the back of his house where his wife, his ex-wife lives <laughs> with their kids. I think he set up shop like in a, oh boy. In a van <laughs> in the backyard. I think he's got some sort of funny arrangement going on there. You know who else has a show currently right now on YouTube that I, that I like is uh, Pauly Shore. Oh, does he? He does, and it's actually I, quite funny. He, He's very well respected in the comedy scene. I know his mom, Mitzi Shore, on the comedy Shore yeah. for a long, long time. And so um, he was always this kind of goofy guy on MTV, you know, hey, it's the weasel, the you weasel. know, and all that. And people were like, yeah, he's kind of obnoxious. But like in the comedy world itself, he has a lot of respect. And there's a lot of guys that yeah, um, he does that really like him. And and it's it's just interesting because the perception, I think, of a lot of people is like that that character that he created on MTV and like Encino man and all these sort of, you know, biodome biodome. Yeah, exactly. All these, these movies that were sort of like, he fell off off so hard though. Right. What's that? He, he just like fell off so hard. Yeah. He fell off the, the, the mainstream radar, but was always still in that comedy world and still just sort of like plugged away and, and, uh, the safety net. Yeah. 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 So you're sort of like visible on a local level, but not visible on a national level. So a lot of people, people thought he, he went away. I, uh, I got a, I actually went to the comedy store one time at this crazy, um, situation where this person came up and said, I've got an extra ticket to this comedy show. Would you like to come? And I was like, well, who, who's, or where is it? It's at the comedy store in Hollywood and it's, and, uh, it's tonight. So I need to know right now if you want to go and it, well, who is it? It's, uh, Arsenio Hall, Chris Rock, Richard Pryor. Wow. And I was like, what? I will be there. And I went and saw that show. And, uh, I gotta say, I, I didn't care for Arsenio Hall really before that. And after seeing him live, I was so impressed with how funny it was, uh, how funny he was. And Chris Rock was great. And poor Richard Pryor went up there with cue cards and like, Gave it his best, but he was sort of at the end. He's like, yeah, I got, yeah, I know I got cue cards. I'm Richard Pryor. God damn it. I can do what I want. And so, uh, um, it's so interesting. That was, my, that was my only experience at the yes. comedy store. And I got to see like three people that, you know, people like, shut up. You didn't see those guys. I'm like, I swear to God, they were all like one right after the other in this little room. Yes. It's, it's interesting that you bring up Richard Pryor, by the way. I'm not, yeah, I'm not, I'm I think not, I know where you're going with yeah, this. <laughs> I'm not sure if you are familiar, but I think you are about the allegations of uh, Paul Mooney. Yes, I am. Wasn't familiar. that surprising to hear? But I always had a suspicion of, of Paul Mooney that he might have well, been limp-wristed slightly. There's that video from 1977 at the, I think it was the Friars Club. It was one of those roasts, uh, but it was back before it was a big 
real, you know, comedy central type production. And Richard Pryor is up there and he is ripping Paul Mooney, hmm. who is sitting just to his right. Wow. And he is talk he's calling him Miss Thang <laughs> and talking about how he he said, you know, the fact you know, the first yeah. time I effed of uh, an, an F, you know, blah blah blah. And he just just berating him, doing it with a big smile. And you can find that video. You can find those that clip on YouTube. It's it's really uncomfortable to watch, to be honest with you. It makes sense but, now. But it makes a lot of sense now. And then that also goes under this thing called the Boulet Society, which is this network of, of very successful black uh, performers that kind of have a certain code. And in order to be in that club, you got to do some devious stuff that's too. Right. And that's And that's a connection between Richard Pryor and all these guys, you know, through the comedy world, you'll see, you know, that they've got to, they've got to perform an address. There's always right? these weird ties to everything. Yeah. Yeah. And they got to, they got to do this. And you can tell when somebody's kind of been initiated in because you'll see them dressed as a woman or something, or, you know, the, why is Tyler Perry doing all these Medea movies? You the, know, what's going on? Uh, the late great Patrice O'Neill talked a lot about this before as well oh did he really yeah did... go back and listen to that because it oh, makes a lot of sense yeah he's another guy it. he's another guy patrice o'neill another famous comedian for uh, those that don't know he was one of a kind someone ahead of the game no doubt someone that had a just outstanding sort of perspective on on all things current if you go back in time he was right on the money on a lot of things way ahead of his time and if you go back and listen to some of what he talks about uh about hollywood and just listen to what he says he's he's not that far off from the truth i gotta get into his stuff then i i mean i know who he's he is I, i've always thought he was funny but i didn't know that he was one of one of those guys patrice That's interesting. Is, there's no one funnier than patrice o'neill in my opinion Interesting. I'm going to have to check out his stuff. I'm always, you know, I'm always into that. I'm always into yeah, guys that are on the fringe that are sort of talking about the truth, but doing it in a way where it doesn't make it so obvious. I, I uh, uh, the insiders that are sort of spilling the beans a little bit on Hollywood. I'm always interested to hear their, uh, their take on things. If only he could have, have just put, put down the spoon and not kill himself by yeah. eating he had diabetes for those that don't know and passed away. Sadly, it it just it sucks that he he died uh, that way, just like uh, Ralphie May, another guy who died. Similar oh my God, Ralphie May! Have you heard? I don't know if you've heard Joey Diaz's podcast talking about Ralphie May telling Ralphie say? May stories <laughs> about how he had um, Ralphie May lived in this apartment, and right behind the apartment was this place where people could. Uh, leave like classic cars uh sort of like a you know pay to store them there and uh that one of the guys that was that kept his car there was matt mcconaughey and matt oh. mcconaughey would be working on his car out there and ralphie may would be in his apartment where where matt mcconaughey couldn't tell who it was or where he was going and he would just berate him with critiques about his acting in his movies for hours nice. and every time matt mcconaughey came he, he would just open his That's window and just start ripping on him and he was recording it and things like that and it was just this hilarious story about ralphie may doing that and and i and and that made me love him when i heard that story because that is just something that's that's so funny you know he knows that nobody's really going to get a get a chance to appreciate it except maybe him but he's still going to torment matt mcconaughey anyway i just thought that was that just that that was so awesome yes check that out uh, for those that don't know and of course we are talking to one 
Charlie Robinson here. Earlier, we were talking about his book, The Octopus of Global Control. And of course, your book is a very big book. It's not a very small book. It's it's actually uh, the cover art is wonderful, by the way. I do like that very much. I stole it from, oh, I should say borrowed it borrowed from it. the from the NRO, the National Reconnaissance Office. They have a, a logo that was the yellow octopus. Oh, that's and right. Yes. It's, and it went on their spy satellite and oh, the text yes. above it said, nothing is beyond our reach. And I thought, oh, that is such an evil octopus. I'm going to take that, change the coloring a little bit and then do an American flag backdrop. So that's where that, if people are wondering where, why the cartoonish octopus, that's where it comes from NRO dash uh, 39 is that spy satellite that went up a couple years ago and and who know, and we don't even know what that spy satellite's doing except apparently nothing is beyond their reach now the website is the octopus of if you are interested in reading charlie's book you can go there and of course you can go to amazon.com and easily find this one and again it's a fantastic book it's well written i liked it i thought it's it's entertaining well what i did read by the way i didn't get a chance to go through everything um no it's a big one I, nobody's yes. nobody's gone through all of it i mean i have but i think maybe it might be just a couple of us it's it's a it's one that you it's can good, sort though. Of break yeah. off a, take a piece at a time actually you know what it's really good for is if there's people in your life that are sort of unsure about this you've gone as far as you can go with them you've you've sort of told them as far as much as you could go without uh coming across as the crazy guy in your family uh it tends to work as a good book where you could say hey you should read this check this out and it 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 because the humor kind of keeps them going and uh it's it's you can let me be the bad guy i guess is sort of my point humor is key my friend that's what really gets over yeah, yeah, you got to get you got to have some fun with it even though these are dark topics. You have to sort of laugh at some of the you know, just the insanity of it all. And um no choice. And I think that and I think that like John Stewart did that with the Daily Show. He let, let you let you hang in there th through this crazy story because he was able to do it in a humorous way that would uh keep you hanging in there and you'd laugh, but at the same time you'd realize, "Hey, this is like a real story. This is like a real event. Maybe something I should pay attention to." So yeah, Charlie, Christmas, I, Christmas presents for people. Right? That's true. That's a good idea for those that want to give someone a nice gift. Give Hol I'm sorry, holiday present. Holiday present. That's right. Get, I don't want to. I don't want to offend it or me too anybody. That's true. And of course, it it is open for the the gay and lesbian community as well. They can get the book. Uh, you're not Absolutely. against them. You're you're on board with them. You I am on them. board with them. No hate I, in your heart. Nope. Nope. They do their thing, and I'll do mine, and we're all good. We're good, no doubt. And, of course, that is the octopus of global control. Charlie, I do want to thank you so much for being on the program. It's been it's been fun. Did you have fun, Charlie? I had a lot of fun. This is great. This is – this is this honestly, this is like the best way for me to spend uh, a Saturday night just oh. talking about some crazy stuff with some cool people. So thank I... you for thinking of me. I appreciate it. And Clockwise. I'll come back anytime. Yes, sir. Clockwise. And we will do this again on the other side. Charlie, mahalo, my friend. Thank you, man. All right, take care. And there he goes, ladies and gentlemen. That was the one and only Charlie Robinson. Great guy, right? Did you enjoy that? I hope you did. And of course, we do have another guest to bring on here in a little bit. And we will take a break. But before I do, I do want to remind you that if you do like this program, that you can get an additional hour of the program and sometimes even two 
eventually over at patreon.com forward slash Michael Deacon. That's patreon.com forward slash Michael Deacon. If you do enjoy this program, prove it. Prove it with your wallet. Show me the show me. Show me that you like the program. And for those that have proven that, all of them have loved the content that has been released on Patreon. They really do enjoy it and that they want more. As soon as more people do join, you'll see and hear a lot more of me. Oh, yes, indeed. Now I'm looking at the clock and it is that time to go on a little break. And when I return, V is here live and in the building. Don't go anywhere, folks. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the program, boys and girls, and I do apologize for taking so long there. And of course, we are joined by a very special soul right now, the one and only V. How's it going, my friend? Oh, it's it's going. It's going. Yes, you are a little bit under the weather, I believe. Uh, Just a little bit, but I'm hanging in there. Yes, I'm glad you are here, my friend. And again, I did want to apologize to you on the air about not making this happen last week. Well, confirmation times uh, is different with everybody, so we all have our uh, uh, ways that we do things. That's right, and I dropped the ball, boys and girls, and I apologize. And, of course, you are simply going by the name of V. Is that correct? Well, V is more of a mental, just like uh, the movie. Uh, sure. V for Vendetta. Right. <laughs> Anybody can be V. Right now, I just happen to be V. You just happen to be V right now. And this could change, right? Oh, I would definitely love to pass the responsibility on to someone else (laughs) when I find the person that's able to do that. Yes. And of course, let's tell the listeners out there a little bit about yourself, my friend. Well, I am someone who is referred to as a targeted individual. I have been targeted by... Uh, the NSA, uh, possibly some other covert uh, groups within the shadow government. I am uh, constantly hacked, constantly harassed uh, in various ways. I receive what is called voice to skull, even though that is the old terminology. It's really the synthetic telepathy done via satellite and other means which means I'm connected to an AI or several that talk nonstop. This is the simulated schizophrenia. I was to be an on-show shooter or mass killer for the NSA, except for I broke the program. Really? Unlike others that you've heard of, like Myron May or Aaron Alexis. Now, that's pretty, pretty daunting, my friend. And how did you come to realize that you were part of some program? Well, <laughs> it took a lot of uh, discovery and research. And started to experience a lot of weird things in life. Uh, firstly, my communications became tapped. 
again, the computer tampering, internet tampering, and then all of a sudden, I feel as though that my neighbor is watching me. And then the voices come through the walls, or at least what I perceived at the time, that the voices are coming through the wall. Uh, through an investigation, I found out that, that was the case. I would leave my home and drive out in the middle of a park, and uh, there they are, still talking. So I did a lot of research. Right. It's like, why, why, why am I going through this? Okay. Yeah, I, I'm a student of psychology. I have been my ever since I could read pretty much my whole life. And I started to look more into the schizophrenia. None of the markers were there for me. Uh, I was too old. Yeah, how old were you uh, by no, yeah. schizophrenia? Well, I was 28 at the okay, time. Okay, 28. Okay. It started for me. Schizophrenia it usually comes around early teens. Early, yes. In the rarest, rarest situations, absolute rarest, uh, in 20s, uh, uh, early 21, 22. So entirely too old. The sounds were not random. These were constant streams of voices that were either commanding, insulting, or just narrating what I'm doing, which is a formula to push someone over the edge to get them to do things like mass murder-suicide. So I started looking into the science, and I found out how everything happened. And it, it was very consistent with all of the patents, U.S. military patents. Uh, there's a mind control site manual leaked by a man named Will Filler, who was an NSA operative that suddenly vanished. Everything was consistent with his whistleblower document and, and so forth. So I've been whistleblowing about this ever since I found out. Yes, you've been going hard for many years now. And of course, you are a man of many hats and many talents. It seems like at one time you were not only doing the um, radio show, you were doing some sort of TV show, correct? Oh, well, yes, I started out in radio. A funny story. I was basically the guy in the uh, with the sign, the world is going to end, you know, on the street corner. I was basically that guy <laughs> for you? a while. Uh, uh, well, I was standing in front of 7-Elevens and, and other gas stations, passing out flyers and packets of information of my research. Yeah, I spent hundreds of dollars doing, doing that. Doing yeah. Uh, and then okay. I got the attention of a guy uh, who wanted to hear my whole story. I, I told him my story. Say, hey, how would you like to tell your story on the radio? Like wow, would love to. Uh, how's that possible? I was like, well, I have a show, and it's here in town, <laughs> and I would love to interview. He ended up interviewing me twice, and then I was offered my own radio show. Nice. Okay. That was the beginning of the Red Pill Hardcore Radio Show. Yes, for those that don't know, that is the name of your show, and uh, you you cover a lot of topics yourself on your program. Well. The targeting is not just one way a person can get targeted. There are various ways a person can be targeted. Uh, 
But as I did my show sometime later, I, I believe around two years later, someone, uh, well, I've made a lot of connections within the independent media industry, obviously. And I was offered my own show with TLB TV or the Liberty Beacon Television Network. Uh, this is the biggest online inter- internet media that's independent. So I started my show with them, the Red Pill Hardcore TV show. And yeah, since then I have done many other shows, like Family Case Files TV show, where I help get people who lost family members or or in family court for this reason and that reason with medical kidnap or their children are being trafficked. That's wild stuff. Uh, Yes. I I have a lawyer that works with me or a legal consultant of some sort with me on every show with the guest. And we try to help them get their children back or their parents, uh, their elderly parents back. And then my TV show Targeted, which just narrowed down on the targeted individual interviews themselves. Uh, and that is the evolution of that because I say a person's targeted in one, one, one way is <laughs> if these people want to screw with your life, the best way to do it is to attack your resources, you know, your job, whatever, uh, inheritance, these things like that. So if they're going to attack your inheritance, they'll attack your family, taking away your children and medically kidnapping your parents, whether they're sound of mind or not, sound of help or not. They'll make a case for it. It's a lot of fraudulent things. Again, computer hacking, a lot of fraud that way. Yeah. Electronic harassment for sure. <laughs> yes. And so, again, there, there are various means where there's gang stalking. If you're a person who leaves the home a lot. See, I, I originally was not someone who left my home a lot. I was able to live within my apartment and I had a store directly across the street, 50 feet away from me. So I didn't experience that the gang stalking so much. Because they didn't leave home, so they had to go through the drastic measures of the synthetic, fluffy audio harassment. I see. And when this was happening to you, V, did you think you were going crazy? Again, originally, yes. I looked at every mental disorder that there is, and nothing is as mathematical as what I was going through. I can literally put everything that's said into a chart and document an algorithm, essentially, uh, thought response, uh, emotion response, as far as the voices, mathematical, there's always a response for a certain response for a certain thought, in other words, which is not something that you're going to hear from someone that has a mental illness. That is the artificial intelligence. So <laughs> I looked at, I, I tried to make it to where I can rationalize it as my own mental illness. I couldn't do it in any way, shape, or form, especially when the research that I did showed all the evidence of covert technology being used. Yes. And by the way, I do have to ask you, did you ever figure out why exactly you were being targeted to begin with? Because I'm a black man. 
just because you're highly intelligent and didn't have to depend on anyone. So I had my freedom. These are all things the system does not like. (laughs) Uh, I mixed military, so Uh I I got harassed unendingly. Oh, come come back and work for us. Come back and and work for us. We'll treat you better this time. No, no, thank you. I will never sign a contract with the government ever again. Well, what exactly happened in your experience, if if you don't mind me asking? I feel like this is an important aspect of the story, your experience with the military. Um, I'm guessing now or assuming, obviously, that this wasn't the greatest experience for you. No, it was not. My military uh, employment was not as long as it was supposed to be. So I got screwed with. I got tampered with. I was sick the entire time I was there. Vaccine, it shot after shot. It just, I was experimenting on. Really? Drastically. Wow. Yes. Okay. I didn't have a healthy day being in service of the U.S. Army. It didn't happen. Uh, I was constantly getting stress fractures, pushed, pushed way over my, my limits. Um, there were certain people there put on me to make sure that my life was a living hell. And I kind of look back on what my father told me, because I come from a military family. I see. And, (laughs) you know, he told me never join the military because of what he went through. My father uh, ended up being a sort of civil rights activist. Um, Okay. When the people underneath him, an all-black crew... Uh, anyone who worked underneath him all got accused of some crime or another, and my father exonerated them, got them off, okay? Right. Proved them innocent. The government didn't like that because he especially retired shortly thereafter in disgust. Interesting. So I think this uh, uh, it was a little bit of a little bit of revenge on me also, in, in retrospect, thinking about it, because uh, targeting becomes generational. I did lose contact with my father after some years just to find out that he had an untimely death. Oh, no. I'll say that much. I see. And I do believe it was also related to, again, the government wants to get back. And something that the government doesn't like, the military doesn't like, is for you to get out, okay, and live a normal life and be outspoken i'm sure (laughs) well take a look at all the troops coming back from iraq they can't get jobs they can't get places to live Uh, they're made to look crazy and then they're put on terrorist watch lists yeah there's a few people by the way that i do know that did serve time uh they do come back a little bit um wired differently I'll, i'll just leave it at that oh yes it takes a lot to be a killer. Right. And then figuring out that you did it for the wrong reasons, it will mess you up. <laughs> There's no war that the United States is doing that is just. It's all corporate-sponsored, New World Order imperialism. They can fake all this democracy talk all they like. I'm not buying it. And people, I would say by and large today, are not buying it anymore. So. Another reason why they've had to put this monarch mind control grid up with this technology. So these people don't like you leaving the service unless it's in a body bag. There's a lot of 
technology that's being used abroad that they don't want civilians to know about. That's for sure. So I've, outside of my TV series, uh, each shows that I've done, I also have a documentary series, and I would love for everyone to check it out. I call it the 5th of November, the movie, Documentaries. Uh, you can find the unedited version on Facebook. Uh, I believe it's facebook.com forward slash targeted individuals documentaries. I go through the technology as much as I as, well as, uh, as much on layman terms as I can while providing the documented evidence. I do have three more documentaries coming out. They'll be done in October. So I hope everyone will watch and spread it to everyone that they know. I'm probably the only person, well, one of two people that have figured out the technology from start to finish, how it works. Very nice. And of course, I'm sorry to go back in time here and, and get a little too personal with you. I, I don't mean to be too intrusive here, but in terms of your father, when was the last time you spoke to him? Hmm. Has it been that long? I would say 2008. Oh, it's been a while then. And I found out in 2010 that he had passed. 2011, excuse me. Oh, okay. I see. Well, I apologize for that. Sorry to hear that. That's no, okay. And what about mom? Oh, uh, well, mother is fine. Mother's good? Yes. Okay, nothing wrong there with the mom. Well, <laughs> Uh oh. There's history. Okay. Well, okay. Here we <laughs> well, go. Well, there, there, there is the history again, and uh, part of it is because of my father and who he is, especially being uh, African American. Was your dad highly intelligent? Was your dad a bit of a hard ass on you? <laughs> oh yeah, completely. I would have to. Imagine, uh, he was yes. a jet plane engineer. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, highly intelligent. We're all highly intelligent in my family. Yes. Uh, again, a red flag to be targeted by the government. So my mother had a previous marriage in which she, well, let's just say the husband started acting weird. Uh-oh. <laughs> yes. Uh -oh. Uh, didn't want to be touched. Always thought somebody was following him. Uh, always seemed like someone was, was talking to him. My mother couldn't figure out what was going on. And then all of a sudden, there's a letter left saying, "I'm I'm out of here. I'm I'm moving to Alaska." And he disappears. Well, then enters in my father, <laughs> the master sergeant, the master, and. Yes, and then here I am. <laughs> so there was the government does a lot of social engineering, especially for their military men. There's a lot of high-ranking military men that have had their wives social engineered to be with them. Interesting. My my parents were no exclusion. I see. No exception. I've heard a lot of women say, well, my targeting has stopped since I've gotten with this man, with this colonel, with this, you know, whoever. And I put it to them, you know, you do realize that you're being trafficked covertly. Only you know it. Only you and I know this. And you're willing to go along with it. 
Yes, it's making my life a lot easier, they would tell me. Okay, as long as she feels you have a choice in it, there's nothing I can do about it. And there's a lot of secrecy, by the way. Oh, yes. A lot of secrecy. A lot of people don't realize that about military families and uh, personal ties with other officers and other people in various branches. Let's just leave it at that. Absolutely. Yes. Well, (laughs) usually. My father, to me, was in the open book. He answered any questions that I had for him. For example, I had the presence of mind noticing the transition of our skies when I was six years old. And I, I asked my dad, what are those long streaks of clouds in the sky? What is that? That's not normal. It's not natural. As a six-year-old, my father told me, those are chemtrails, son. Your dad knew. It's like, oh, yeah. I asked him, what is it for? He said, weather control. <laughs> coming yeah. from him, As that's a six-year-old, he told yeah. me this. Uh, it wasn't until later on in my adult life, that's not all it's used for. It's also used for mind control. Yeah. Mind control. <laughs> Chemtrails. You want to know how it works? How does that work? <laughs> oh, boy. How much longer do we have in the show? We got enough time. We're good. Okay. I think everyone's so, interested now. Well, they were already, but now even more and thrilled. Okay. So you have these nanoparticulates being sprayed on us. Okay. Right. You have the aluminum, strontium, barium, titanium, etc. Okay. Nanoparticulates. When you have a metal, let's say aluminum, in the form that you normally see it in, you know, like a, like a beer can or something like that, it has different properties than this nano form. That, that's the same with every substance. So, like uh, aluminum can conduct electricity. When you have aluminum in a powder form, it becomes highly explosive. That's why it's put into ammunition. So you have different properties for different metals and materials when you take it from its macro form to its nano form. So you have all these nano metals being sprayed on us. And don't be fooled. They say it stays up in the sky. Listen, what goes up must come down. Okay? We breathe in all these nano materials. It enters in our bloodstream and it breaks the blood-brain barrier. Now, the blood-brain barrier is broken, so you can't filter out all these things. It starts to lace your neural pathways. Now, I want people to understand how small <laughs> a nano uh, nanomaterials are. Yeah. I, it's so small. It's smaller than bacteria. It's, it's smaller than all of that, okay? It's so small. Uh, I believe you can fit. I, I, I'm trying to remember the numbers here. Um, the length of uh, or the width of a single hair, you can fit millions of nano uh, particulates to line up to to go across a single width of your hair. The stuff is so small, you're not going to see it. So this smart dust, essentially what it is, smart dust laces our neural pathways in our brains. Now, what has the government been trying to do for so long? They're trying to chip us, right? That's right. They're trying to put, put these uh, microchips in us. And we as a society have said, no, 
I, we don't want to do that. You know, Mark of the Beast and all that stuff. The loss of our rights and privacy. Well, they found a way to chip us anyways. Because once this smart dust has coated all of our brains, the brain then has become a transceiver. The RFID transceiver. The brain is already a computer. Okay, now you have all the frequency technology around us. The microwaves, the, the, the Wi-Fi, yes. radio, ELF. Okay, so now you have a science. There, there's two main sciences here that you've got to look into. There's particle resonance and interferometry. These are the two main things. There are other things that go along with this, but these are two things. So you have particle resonance, which means you have a particle here and then a particle there. You hit them with the same frequency, and they will resonate the same information. Now, this goes deeper into quantum entanglement. You can switch information to one particle to another instantaneously. Distance does not matter. Distance isn't a factor. One particle can be on one side of the galaxy and the other one. They're hit with the same frequency. One can teleport information to the other. It's magnetic. Scalar. These are terminologies to look up. Scalar. This is scalar energy. Now, the government is getting away with the mind control, the synthetic telepathy, because of the interferometry. Basically, the interferometry is when you have two signals converge with a background of frequencies. And when these two frequencies converge at a target, that target is the only thing that can receive the coded information. So you have a background of frequency, HARP. HARP blankets the entire planet. You have a signal coming from a microwave tower. Then you have a signal coming from a satellite. It's just noise or whatever to, to anybody else. If you have any kind of scanners or anything like that, you're not going to be able to decode what's really going on. Only the target, only the target device or the target person can receive the information. What is happening there when the two tar when two frequencies converge, you have... Uh, a, a created field. You have uh, destructive and, and a creative field. It's, it's all sciencey. So I, I'm going to try to back down and make this more layman here. So I think some some listeners I, might need need, need that help. <laughs> well, <laughs> well. So there is this untraceable signal that you can get because your brain. Guess what? All of our brains have phone numbers to them that the government has. They want to dial you up and give you voices, they'll do it. Each one of our brains have been mapped. That's why they want Wi-Fi everywhere. That's why they want the cell phones everywhere. And just look at Elon Musk as well. <laughs> He's getting there. Well, it's past that. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to tell you. So everything... All the stuff, and it's real-time mind reading. It's not just putting voices in your head. It's synthetic telepathy. So our brains, there's, you know how you see uh, the dissections of the human brain? And you can just basically see the map as, as it goes along. 
all of that has been mapped each and every one of us when a part of your head uh, lights up when you think dog uh, or, or a cat there's a certain part of your brain that puts off a signal right it's called brain waves yes. for a reason so they have ta-da their magical mind reading telecommunications now i've been whistleblowing about this for quite some time my next documentary is going to be explaining all of this uh, <laughs> a lot better than I can over radio. Well, don't worry. I know. Yes. You can't explain all of it here, but uh, I'm following along. I know exactly what you are referring to. And by the way, Peace and Bliss in the chat room says, what's in his brain that the government wants? Why is he special? And that comes from Peace and Bliss in the chat room. Compliance. They don't want me to have my freedom. They want me to be a nine-five wage slave that doesn't know anything. The problem is, I'm completely independent, and I know all the secrets. Yes, and they offered you a job uh, to clarify, correct? <laughs> oh, the the years of oh, come back and work for us. You're a genius. Come back and work for us. I figured out just about everything that they've ever done and everything they're gonna do. I know when. They get so exposed, and the people are going to be so angry, they're going to turn that dial. They're going to hit everybody on the planet with the harp. They're, they're going to do a mass extinction. That's why they have all these underground bases, the my labs. It's not just for child trafficking, child pedophile rings. That's where the elites are going to go when they think the masses are too frenzied to control. A movie I would like for everyone to watch just to get what I'm talking about into perspective. Uh, I believe it's uh, The Kingsman, Secret Service. Yes. I believe it came out in like 2014 or something like that. Good movie. Oh, you've seen it? Yeah. Okay. So basically, that that is the possibility right now. But with the intelligence, yes, they want to steal everything from people too. People have... You, you have heard of people in your lifetime complain, oh, I had an idea about something, and six months later, I saw it on TV. Did you see it on TV. An idea that they had for an invention. The elites steal inventions all the time. Why? To keep them rich. They keep you poor. They do it all the time. So I hope I answered uh, your... I, I think you your, did. Peace and bliss in chat <laughs> Okay. Yes. And um, by the way, going back to uh, mom and dad and early childhood development for you, uh, were they at all religious by any chance? They were religious, but I was raised secular. Ah, okay. Interesting. Doesn't really happen too often. I've had the freedom of choice of, of everything in my life. That's a good thing, then. It's it's better not to be uh, painted with just one brush, in my opinion. Absolutely. Yeah, so you've always been open-minded. I believe mom and dad always open-minded, correct? Absolutely. And you, no kids, correct? No wife, no kids? <laughs> well, uh -oh, being a happened? target individual has made that impossible. Ah, so did you did you have a relationship with a woman for a couple years, and perhaps this this sort of uh, thing came to fruition at a greater detail for you much later on, and did something happen? 
Is that what you're telling well, me? Well, they'll use love intelligence. The NSA and the other agencies, all the way down to the police, they'll use something called love intelligence. If they see that someone's into you online, for example, I, I've had long-distance relationships online, and then find out they're not talking to me anymore. Was this on uh, Tinder? I've, I've, I've literally, well, I've literally come to. It's literally gotten to like a day or two before I'm supposed to move across the country to be with them. It's like boom, contact gone. Uh, by the way, was this all over Facebook? Is this over uh, Tinder? Is this over Grinder? That's a joke. Skype. Okay. Skype. Skype. I, okay. <laughs> I, 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 I try not to do so much social media, but Skype, phone, okay. um, email, that stuff is cut off. Okay. In my personal life, uh, uh, you know, of course, you got a date. Sure. And you don't just have <laughs> one hook, one line in the water. Uh, so I, again, when I find myself getting closer to one, they disappear. Hmm. Or they get very weird, very strange all of a sudden. And so that sort of thing, uh, when I've gotten more into media, is I start finding out, oh, well, this is their COINTELPRO. Uh, a lot of uh, women who show interest in me, even as fans and talk to me and whatever, they instantly get flooded with other guys to be interested in them and I to yes. sort of take their attention off of me. Even me as a public speaker, a public uh, uh, figure, again, I've got my fan base. That's like high school, right? Yeah, well, and, well, that's the thing. I call these cowards, these creeps, little junior high school b words. Yeah, you've been getting harassed. All, man. Who are are they play? They play mind games, little 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 junior high school prepubescent girl games. So that is essentially your intelligence agencies. Period. But this is what they do to keep you isolated. Uh, they'll send somebody behind your back if you've got a business deal going and say, oh, this person is a terrorist, for example. Don't do any business with that person. See, I, I, I have a lot of loyal people that will report back to me what was said, what was done. They weren't counting on any of this. In most cases, nobody ever does report back. But again, being a public figure... And so many people have gone through the same stuff, have reported back to me, and has confirmed everything that I'm telling you. That's weird. That you Can you believe your tax dollars are going to this? Yeah, that's what I'm also another concern is that we're paying these people, and this is what they're doing on the job. Yeah, that's what they're doing on the job. The name of the guest is V, for those in the chat room. Um, Star Mountain, I believe, just asked, what is the name of this guest? And he simply goes by V. Yep, just V. Just V. Lots of um, lots of heavy material here tonight, Charlie. I was going to call you Charlie. Uh, v. <laughs> I'm not the enemy. <laughs> well, Charlie was the Charlie was the the first guest, by the way. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why I said Charlie, but yes, um, very very interesting stuff here, and I still can't help but feel that this sort of a harassment is something that. Is not going to be any, uh, not going to be ending anytime soon for you. Well, a lot of it has because oh, it I has. have become a public figure. A lot of it has. 
I choose not to pick up on a lot of things and continue in a certain way because I have dedicated myself to my media. I see. And, yeah. <laughs> I, I intend on having justice, okay? There's going to be hell to pay for everything that has been done to me. I'm not going to pretend like I'm some saint or some angel. There, there's going to be heavy punishment. You're not going to go quietly into the night. not going to like it. Yes, you're not going to go quietly into the night, in other words. Correct. And by the way, we are joined by another uh, soul here. We do have a caller for you, V. Let's go to the caller before they hang up. Are, are you there, caller? Yes, I'm here. It's just uh, I'm having a hard time hearing, but I'll do my best. What's going on? Hello, V. Hello. Oh, <laughs> what's going on? Uh, not much. I'm just hanging out in my room listening right. to your show. Right on. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm fascinated by uh, your show tonight. And yeah. Okay, now I'm getting stage fright nervous. And Don't I worry. Got everything I was going to ask. We're Dad, all friends here. It. We're all friends here. Don't I worry. When that happens. Um, oh, freaking deep state is deleting my head, so I don't know what to ask because it might be something important. They're deleting your memory. Yeah. Oh, that sucks. I hate that. That's um, no. <laughs> done all the time. Um, oh, let's see. Do I have notes? Yes, kind of, sort of, maybe. Okay. Um, do you see what is going on right now with... I'm sure you see what is going on. There is a lot of divisiveness going on in the country. A lot of uh, people driving angst and hate because they don't like someone or like their view or uh, really don't want people to... Oh, crap. They don't want people to be able to get along and... Work things out, come to a mutual, satisfactory resolve. Uh, go ahead and talk, and maybe I'll go ahead and remember what it is I wanted to ask. Well, I'm, I'm glad you said that. Something the Russians did, and anyone can look this up, it's called the Russian Woodpecker. The Russians put out this frequency. They had this uh, antenna array that went over the North Pole and blanketed the United States. It was a signal to placate the Americans because mm -hmm. Russia did not want to go to war with the warmongers in America. Okay. Okay. Now, this was studied. This psychotronic signal, this, this terminology they used back then, psychotronic. Psych psychotron, psychotronics is anything, any, any technology that can interface with the mind of uh any biological creature. So this okay, was a psychotronic so signal is, they used. The CIA figured this out. A, the, the DOD figured this it's out. A generated and, energy. It's well a generated and so Americans are all agitated now because of yes, the cell towers, the the cell phones, the Wi Fi. Mm -hmm. We are bombarded with frequencies. Harp. Harp does the same thing. Yes. Not to mention that we're fed human flesh, you know, the, the baby fetuses, fetal cells, okay, some Pepsi and all the other stuff. So we become naturally aggressive towards one another. We have a subliminal 
cannibalism that goes That's along what I wanted with, to ask about. Is I'm that sorry? what is being generated is being picked up by uh, neuron, uh, neuro, neurological, uh, the, the nodes in the brain are receptive to energy and they pick up on that stuff and process it. And we kind of decide which way we're going to, oh, man, this is getting weird. I'm sorry. Well, but... the brain resonates with outside frequencies. Our brain is supposed to resonate at a 7.84 uh, uh, ELF. Um, that's a human resonance. That's our right. natural resonance. We're out of sync with that and because there, our there, brains there, are resonating with the technology around us. There is an energy wave going out at a different frequency to kind of screw that up is from what Absolutely. I understand. That's why none of us feel connected with each other. We're not connected with the earth and the frequency that we're supposed to be on. Right. We've all been divided and conquered. We all live in shoeboxes now. Nobody knows who their neighbor is anymore. There's exactly. no community watch. There's no I, I thought, civilian militia. I'll tell you like what, I thought I knew who my friends were uh, in a certain community. And uh, to my heartbreak, I got turned on. And that's all I'm going to say. Anybody listening probably knows what I'm talking about. But uh, there was one entity that came in and generated a lot of divisiveness, turned People kind of against each other, and eventually I got bad. Well, no, um, I'm not going to say that. Anyway, uh, yes, I understand that kind of energy because I have experienced it. I'm sorry. I'm going to shut up now. Well, especially women. Women are very emotional creatures. 70% of target individuals are women, in fact. Yeah. So, okay. again, this goes into the human trafficking to the honey pots, to just just about anything you can think of, because uh, well, <laughs> the world is mostly motivated by a man's desire for a woman. I'll put it that way. Of course, yeah, I can agree. <laughs> Money doesn't run the planet. It's a man's desire for a woman. Absolutely. I can tell you why if you want to know. I think we all know, especially when I a man's uh, wallet <laughs> is always a very very lucrative because the anima versus the animus is the creative energy amazing when you take when you take the two energies the anima female the animus male they need each other to survive right that's true and there is again like you're saying the there is a divisiveness that has been forcing the separation, but just not recently. This has been going on for centuries. And oh, yes. It's Social engineering. Increasing, it's all about. increasing and increasing, and it's hitting a peak right now. We're about to pop the zit. Okay? You know, and right that's on. what it Thank you for the call, take. by the way, Star. Appreciate it. Oh, okay. I'm sorry, Mike. Yeah, I didn't okay. mean to. Say, I didn't mean to get so no, it's okay. bubbly graphic. But That's okay, right. I'm going to hang up yes. so I can listen. Just give me a second so I can turn my sound up. Okay. Take care. Okay. And that was Star. Great call, by the way. And if anybody wants to call in, that number seven six zero three three two eighty seven twenty four. You see it up on the the screen there. Go ahead and give us a call if you'd like. 
don't be afraid. It's just me and V here having a great discussion here. I like talking to you, by the way. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yes, you are fun to talk to. And we'll get into some more fun right now. Um, completely different topic here, but I did want to get your thoughts and opinions on one Jeffrey Epstein. And of course, if you are an individual who believes in every conspiracy that is thrown out there, V. Well, I'm a conspiracy expert, not a conspiracy theorist. Correct. I believe what I can research, and that typically leads me with the science. I Again, I'm, I'm self-proclaimed. Uh, Sometimes <laughs> psychological you have to be. warfare expert. You have to be. I, I think I'd say that since I broke the mind control on me that was going to send me off to be a mass shooter. So I think I could say that. Um, <laughs> but nice. as far as Epstein's concerned, yeah. well, I mean, what do you want to know? I want to know if you believe the official narrative or do you believe that something else could have happened to one Jeffrey Epstein? Many do believe and have gone on to say that he was transferred to some sort of military location or jail. And then some people say that he really was offed. Well, I have to ask, does it really matter? Not really. And the, all the acts already have been committed, in my opinion. The the crimes have been dealt with and done. The people got paid and everyone's smiling now and, you know, got to clean it up. Business as usual, in my opinion. Well, that's my point, because whether he's dead or not, it doesn't matter. His money's protected. Uh, he They had to kill him or at least fake kill him off so that no witnesses could be paid. No one can sue. No one can press charges. Nobody can get a piece of that money. Not only that, they had to kill him so there's no evidence or, or, or they don't have to investigate the sex ring, all that stuff that's going on. I'm right now on the verge of trying to bust open a uh, pedophile ring myself that's what i read uh, tell me my, yes my, tell us about that my communications have been broken up so much uh with interviewing this certain individual who has been raped by uh, her ex-lover been raped by the police the ex-lover has gotten off on the rape has custody of the children which he's molesting and molesting so badly, there's bruises and prolapsed anuses. Jeez. Um, the visuals. Yeah. The visuals. Father, <laughs> the father, multi, the multimillionaire father, keeps getting him out of trouble. He, but he's been caught with over 700 pictures of nude children. Those aren't his. Those uh, are those most are of friends. which are missing. That's a that's a friend's <laughs> laptop. It's not his. Well. I don't know if it was desktop or laptop, but he he had been found out by her with all these images uh, of the uh, of the CP pornography. Yeah, the CP. Yeah, that's greasy. So I've been trying to nail this interview. I've gotten only part of it, and I'm just getting electronically blocked, or the sound is degraded, or there's some sort of electronic harassment. I see. Which goes to show you that the NSA is protecting these child pornography rings. Listen, there's no one that views more child pornography than the NSA. Not just because they're they're catching it, 
but they're distributing it. That's how they, yeah, that's how they do their fishing on the black market, the dark web, deep web. And that's how they get a lot of their employees too. Oh, you know, get knock on the door. Yeah, child porn on your computer. But wait, you're a great hacker. So how about you either come work with us or you go to jail? Everyone chooses to work for the NSA. Yeah, at that point, you you have no choice. Absolutely. Either you'll die mysteriously or they'll blackmail you. <laughs> I've almost got the setup once myself. Oh, my. <laughs> Do tell. Uh, well, just one day, just found some weird stuff on my computer, and my home was being circled by black SUVs. Oh, no. And just like, oh, yeah, really? All right, well, hard drive microwave. <laughs> yeah, once you get so the black, get that, once you get the black SUVs, yes, the black SUVs, once you get their attention, that's when you know you are in trouble. <laughs> yeah, well, absolutely. And I've had many people threatened to not talk to me. I've had guests say, well, some people showed up in a black S uh, SUV and told me not to talk to you, not to do my interview with you. And of course, these people always say, you know, screw you. We're going to do the interview anyways, Yeah, which is great. I love it. Um, a lot of my militia brothers, you know, same thing, like, like flies. They describe it to me as like flies over uh, a carcass when you start seeing them swarm. But that's the more aggressive way that they let you know. Usually when they're just trying to subliminally plant it in you, plant the paranoia in you, it's usually white vans. And they'll do that. <laughs> I I know. Uh, actually, uh, the one time that I can, uh, time period in my life where I thought about, you know, I'm seeing a lot of white vehicles following me lately. Yeah, one day I just went out three o'clock in the morning for a little drive. And uh, because there's a white van across the street at the store, which is a gas station. And as soon as I drove off, it started following me. Okay, well, this is going to be fun. So I went to a neighborhood that I usually don't go into. It followed me for every turn. Three o'clock in the morning. I got on a straightaway, punched the gas, just <laughs> it went as fast as my van could go. Uh, turned around the end of the street and came back up and uh, drove by this van as it came by my van. And then shortly thereafter, I see it trying to turn around. But the next day, I went and I, I noticed something because I had to pick up a friend a little bit further down the the area from which I lived. And that's where the courthouse was. And where the courthouse was, was connected to a private mental institution owned by, well, operating with the courthouse. All white vans. No, Again, these people creepy. were trying to condition me, trying to watch me. And for the time that I was going to break from the uh, harassment and do my killings like I was supposed to, you know how all the false flag shootings, false flag events, how there's always a drill beforehand? There always seems to be some sort of weird, weird uh, drill, including on 9-11. Exactly. So they have to have some sort of handling situation, somebody on the ground. So 
that's when I busted that. And once I busted that little scenario, they stopped following me altogether. <laughs> by the way, my friend, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but we are joined yet again by another caller. Uh, let's quickly take this call here. Uh, caller, what's going on? Did you have a question? Hi, thank you for having me tonight. Uh, Craig, how you doing tonight? Craig? Hello? D- did you say Craig? Hi, how are you guys doing tonight? This is fantastic. Right on, my friend. Did you have a... I have a question. Uh, yeah, go ahead, my friend. Yeah, I had a question. Do your thing. If you just be quiet for a minute. Go ahead. Um, question for your guest is, uh, hey, uh, have you been uh, cleaning your anus out a little bit? Because that's the proper use for a uh, clean mind and uh, and uh, good living. <laughs> but we have to all remind ourselves to clean the anal wall. He's true. Very, very good. He's not lying. So I want to actually... Yeah, I want to ask your guest that. And also, who's your moderator in your damn chat room? Because are you pissed off with people, cutting off people in your goddamn chat just because they disagree Ooh, with people? he's angry. This is this oh. is what we this is what we get sometimes. So that's why I love oh, taking yeah. calls. Clean your we wait for you yeah, punk. There we go. We wait for these kind of calls. Grow your well, hair. You know, you know that. I love you can it. Tell he cleans yeah, his well, anus. I think he. I think he. I think he bleaches his his anus. <laughs> Pretty amazing. <laughs> yes. I oh, think he, oh, he left. <laughs> I didn't even. Have I know his cleaning technique. <laughs> yeah, he ran off like a coward. Wow. Oh, you have fun callers. I like that. Me too. I love I love the trolls, by the way. They are my favorite. But, you know, they run off, though, as soon as I respond. I haven't had that. That was actually the first troll for me. I've never had a troll call any of my shows. Really? You haven't been on the Internet long enough. Oh, I've, I've been there for a while. <laughs> I've been doing this for a, for a good while, my friend. <laughs> oh, wow. Yes, it got it got very dirty really quickly. And, you know, speaking of uh, dirtiness, we'll we'll get uh, back into the whole dirtiness in a moment here. Uh, I I interrupted your story with that call and I apologize. Well, I mean, when you put out real information and as to challenge what people know, you know, you, you've got to get the intellectuals engaged you have a message like this coming out there and all someone like that can think about is what he's able to say in your chat room that reeks of cointel pro agent this this information or misinformation agent oh he calls in all the time by the way not all the time you, but you, he's he's a re- think he's a repeat your caller information, your guest uh, uh, information is less important than what he's got to say <laughs> right. He's a silly boy and, you know, he's a very bored and sad individual, but I do love him. He's still a troll that you got to love. And I do love him. The The trolls are the best part of the program. He Sometimes he calls in and he starts cussing at me and then he hangs up and it's a, it's a, you know, rinse and repeat cycle. And, and I like it personally. Makes the show fun. Uh, I, I, you know, actually I, I do get trolls, but I don't handle them. That's for my staff, and that is done online. Yeah. So I, I would love to. Uh, I mean, I've had some individuals in the past. <laughs> I've had to expose. I've had to expose this moron in the TI community who's selling a helmet with magnets on it. Oh no! For eight hundred to nine hundred dollars a piece <laughs> to stop government harassment. 
I've had to explain the science as to why that's not real. I've had scientists come onto my show to explain why that's not real. And he's been bad mouthing me across the internet ever since because I destroyed his little business, his little fraudulent business. Well, it's not against the law. (laughs) Yes. Well, B, it's not against the law to profit off of others' ignorances. That's what I say here all the time. But but this is the lowest scum of the earth. You've got someone trying to profit off of people who are already penniless. That's how I feel uh, about that's how I feel about Sylvia targeted. Yes. And and V, that's how I feel about Sylvia Brown, if you recall that woman long, long ago. The psychic who would ruin a lot of people's lives even further. People like that uh, they're the ones who really cause havoc and even like pastors and those in, in the religious circles who molest these kids and take advantage, uh, even of, even of their flock too. The, these all sorts of, um, pastors that, that do that sort of thing too. Well, there are some people out there being used as real mediums. Um, the government through synthetic telepathy will have you believe some people believe that they are hearing the voice of God or hearing the voices of aliens, and they would talk through them, and they would get attention. These false, what I call false prophets, they're created by the government. Uh, there's actually, anybody can look this up, can research this. There was a guy who could, quote-unquote, summon UFOs. Oh, I, re- I know yes, I know who you're talking about now. Now, it was proven that he could. On a actual mainstream news radio coverage, UFO came into the sky. Problem with that is you have the Project Blue Beam trickery. Now, with his synthetic telepathy, sure, the government can read his mind. Say, okay, he thinks he's controlling us. Let's put a UFO up there. Boom. It's, it's one way to fool the masses. Yes, you are referring to um, Prophet Yahweh, right? Oh, I don't remember the guy's I name. I think that was his, yeah, I, just, <laughs> I think that's what he was going by. His name is Ramon Watkins, I think that was his name. Yes, a large African-American man. Correct, from Memphis. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I remember that but guy. But it was proven that every time he thought of it, it happened. Listen, the real aliens out there, they don't care about us. They're watching us, see what we're going to do with the little technology that they gave us. And right now, I'm pretty sure they're either laughing at us or thinking it's a damn shame. Probably a damn shame. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> the, that trickery, that just explain that situation. That's why the UFOs came out whenever he summoned them or thought of them. Project Bluebeam, anybody can look it up. Leaked a long time ago. So that combined with the synthetic telepathy. Um, there's a lot of Scooby-Doo stuff that the NSA does. Get people thinking their homes are haunted, so they move, so they can get somebody else that they want into that property. And the same thing with the voices through the walls. Oh, this place is haunted. You know, uh, that, that sort of thing. So they've taken this technology, and they have done every corrupt thing that you can think of. They're, they're little psychopathic children with toys. Yes. And of course, going back to 5G and, and the whole chemtrails and all, all that sort of amazing subject matter. I'm sure you are also familiar with the YVI, 
the seeing through the walls with Wi-Fi signals. That's another thing that does concern me when we do talk about 5G, those sort of elements that are also being used to spy on normal people like me and you. And uh, furthermore, you have these whistleblowers out there, Edward Snowden, who really did reveal a lot of these sort of uh, aspects that go on within the government. And many of these branches are just hidden in secrecy from the public. It's, it's incredible, really. And I was just thinking about all these things um, as you were talking. And I didn't want to in- interrupt you, my friend. Well, first off, Edward Snowden is entirely overglorified. Listen, ever since the phone was invented, you remember those little switchboards? Uh, the police sure. and and the police-like officials have been tapping phones ever since we've had telephones. And this conversation, by the, the way, on Skype. All my conversations are are listened to. Definitely. Um, you know, my audience is much bigger than I would think. <laughs> uh, the reason why I'm even able to communicate is because I have my own counter surveillance and when they mess with my communications, well, it's all gonna backfire. You know, they might as well put the three fifty seven in their mouse and pull the trigger for all the stuff that I've got on them. But anyhow, so that's Snowden's overglorified. Um anybody who has any common sense knows that your email's being washed or Definitely. anything that that is in the hands of a corporation at least you know it's not going to be private. You know, AOL is that Illuminati triangle there. Well, don't you know? It's telling you. That's right. And even your cell phone. Programs all around. <laughs> yeah, we, we already submitted our rights to privacy as soon as you sign up with your cell phone provider, basically. You sign on that dotted line. You already forfeit all your information. Everything on your cell phone is recorded, essentially. That's the most amazing part. Absolutely. So, yes, Snowden overglorified. Yeah, you don't think much of him. Real information, real information. I cover this in my documentaries as well about the 5G and everything that it does. Now, along with the nanoparticulates that is sprayed on us, that metallicizes our atmosphere, which allows them to do everything from hard light hologram construction through interferometry to actually being able to edit a person's DNA. Nanoparticulates, when it interacts with uh, genetic cellular material and hit with 5G, there's a protein reaction that can be constructive or destructive to DNA. I, I cover this in, in your documentary. documentary. Yes. And of course, where can people go to find your material V? My documentaries, which is the most important work that I've done. Uh, if you want to see the real unedited version, because YouTube was a real pain in the butt oh, with yeah. us over this. Um, you can just go to Facebook, which has the unedited versions. Again, it's www.facebook.com forward slash targeted individuals documentaries. All in word, of course. And that has all my documentaries. I have six documentaries on there. 
that it was just too much information. Uh, I've got, again, three more documentaries to put up to complete the information. And I, that's a good problem to have. Well, yeah. Every October I put up three documentaries. So three more is coming. Nice. October. So you gotta look out for that. Very cool. Well, I, well, once you do, I, I will definitely share those links on my website for people too. And yes, I mean, I still have my TV show, the Red Bill Hardcore TV show, but I'm also back into radio as well. I'm nice. with the Republic Broadcast Network. Very cool. And we are running out of time here. But before I do, uh, just a quick question in terms of the Democratic debate that just went down, your thoughts and opinions on that, if, if you do have any opinions by, by any chance. Don't get distracted. Look at the real issues. Look at what you can see and touch. Because that's the Tea Party that you guys get to watch on television. You don't get to see what's really going on in the shadow government or the deep state. Ignore everything you see on television. That's the sleight of hand. That's the puppet show. I don't have to watch it to know what was said. I know it's a bunch of BS. Right. Essentially. Essentially. Yeah, it's all, it's all, it's all a charade. It's a political masquerade, and it's always been that way for a long time, unfortunately. Well, punch a hole through the puppet, and you might find a hand bleeding. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> Did you have fun, V? Absolutely. Yes, you have a great program. You got callers. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> and ne next time, we'll, we'll talk about Michael Jackson and R. Kelly and, and all kinds of uh, fun topics, my friend. I'll talk about anything that you want to talk about. <laughs> All right. Thank you. It was, a, it was an honor and pleasure to talk to you, my friend. We'll do this again in, in the near future, V. All right. Sounds good. All right, my friend. Take care. You too. All right. Bye-bye. And there he goes, ladies and gentlemen, the man simply known as V. Great guest, a great guy. Love talking to him. I hope all of you enjoyed that as much as I did. I want to thank both of my guests who appeared tonight, Charlie Robinson, and of course, V would like to also thank you guys in the chat room. And of course, those great callers loved hearing star, loved hearing the troll of the program, loved that very much. And I also want to remind all of you out there, if you enjoy the program and want to help fund the program, which I would really want all of you out there to do so. There is a donation button on the right-hand side of your screen over at michaeldeacon.com. Any amount is good. However, if you want extra bonus content for your good, hard-earned money, that is one option. PayPal, but however, I would like to turn your attention to patreon.com forward slash michaeldeacon. That is where you can donate just $5 for extra content. That's if you like the program, if you are a hardcore listener, that is not telling you you should. I'll, I'll, I'll always uh, deliver free content just for you out there every Saturday night. You, you know that by now. I'll always give you a free show here. This will remain free uh, forever. A uh, boss man says, do you accept food stamps? No, I don't. I wouldn't be able to use those. Uh, not where I'm at. Uh, you would probably get run off out here. 
especially in certain locations. Yeah, the shekels. Yeah, the, the shekels. Definitely send those in, Bobby Blades. Can I pay in weed? Uh, yeah, you can also do that. And of course, I think Boss Man, I believe it's his birthday. Everyone say happy birthday to Boss Man. I'm sure he needs the happy messages. And of course, stay safe, everyone, no matter where you are on this island earth. I'm Michael Deacon. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place, and life itself is a mystery. Until next time, good night, everybody.